some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Oh my gosh. I remember the lines that Cheech Cheech Marin said. I think it was in Nice Dreams, but it could have been any of them. But he said, I'm so nervous right now, you couldn't get a pin up my ass with a jackhammer. (laughs) That's the way I feel. And I hope that don't sound too much like shit because I'm still like dealing with this like virus, whatever the fuck I have, this flu thing, you know? For like a week, I felt like shit. Like I feel so much better now than I sound. You know, yeah. even though I still don't feel well, but I hope Jim doesn't hear my voice and say, like, my God. Yeah. Well, this guy's a radio guy. Listen to how <laughs> shitty his voice is. You sound great. And I'm so excited and happy for you, Dan. You've been talking about this for quite some time. Uh, and I've, you know, I kind of lollygag around uh, Mike North uh, hat. You know, Mike North had Jim on his show, the Mike North Advantage here on the Viral Network a year or two ago and i said well, i got to ask a question that that, that's right i really uh, recorded you asking a question it was a great question and then you know i just sort of it, it, it left my mind and i have a tendency to just kind of focus on stuff now and then uh finally it was actually mike north who reminded me hey do you want to talk to the, the, do you and dan want to talk to jim mcmahon and i go fuck yeah he goes and I, <laughs> So, so he gave me the phone number and then I waited like two weeks because I was a little nervous about approaching him and stuff. And finally I did. And he responded right, right away. So he will be joining us uh, shortly. We decided to start the show a little early uh, because he could pop in at any time. And I just wanted to say hello to everybody. Thank you for joining. For those of you who are joining us live, uh, this should be a really fun experience. I'll try to get some of your questions in. Dan is going to do 90 95 percent of the interview with with jim because as you folks know dan's uh recollection of stuff is much better than me even though he didn't live through a lot of the stuff that i lived through he knows it so much better than i do so this is going to be an incredible interview with dan aguire and jim mcmahon and uh and then i'll be collecting questions and we'll get to those towards the end of the interview Dan, again, um, one of the things that when he pops in, I want to make sure that it's okay for us to swear because. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be PG if I need to be, for real. Yeah, and I know you will. I mean, you're a professional. Um, and uh, But I, I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't mind us swearing because I've got, I want to find out, you know, all sorts of <laughs> deceptive not deceptive uh, devious things that he might have done in his career like hey did you ever fuck this lady or that lady no i won't go there uh, I, I, I don't <laughs> want to go there I, I won't go there i won't go there but maybe you know did uh your center ever fart of it before an important snap or something I, like that i remember in his book he he this is a paraphrase but because i haven't read it in in you know 20 years or something but i have it mm-hmm. but he said that like he was still he was stunned and that, that was at the height of his popularity Mm-hmm. pop culture wise but he was stunned that people would just want to pay him just to eat meals with him you know yeah. and dinner just talk to him and 
it was always like, really? Like they want to give me money, like just to eat with me, you know? (laughs) So I hope even though it's all these years later, I hope he's still not like, what, why do these people want to keep talking to me? Yeah. I see. I don't remember. There was a part in either in his book or when I worked over at CBS, Jeannie Morris was doing a half hour uh, special on him. I don't recall if he said this during the show or it was in his book that he got a call once and they said, hey, we'll pay you $10,000 uh, to come out tonight for an autograph signing and so forth. And he said, no, nah, I'm not interested. He hung up the phone. They called back a couple of minutes later. They offered them $15,000. He says, oh, you know, it sounds great, but no, I, I, I want to just uh, lay low. Hangs up. And then another few minutes later, they said, they said called back and said $20,000. And McMahon was like, okay, I'll do it. And, and he was like dumbfounded and saying, why would these stupid fans want to line up to get my autograph? <laughs> Which, and maybe that was in the book. Do you recall that in the book? Uh, it's been so long. I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, maybe it was in, in, in the documentary. Anyway, um, so uh, he he was at times, uh, one of the things that I'd love to hear him talk about, was he a reluctant superstar or did he really kind of bask in the glow of being uh, probably the number one quarterback, maybe definitely not statistically, but in the league. I mean, this guy's uh, anytime he was on people uh, all across the football world were interested in what he was doing, what he was saying. John Madden loved it. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, he was bigger than life. And those of you who are going to experience this interview and you weren't around during that time, this was really a special time in Chicago sports. I mean, this, you know, Michael Jordan came around. That's the only thing I can compare it to. Michael Jordan and the Bulls were like the Beatles. Well, Jim McMahon and the 85 Bears were like the Beatles. It was such an incredible team of characters, and the way they played was phenomenal. I, I, I still, you know, a lot of people on, on social media will criticize us Bears fans who, who like to recall those days. But if you were alive for them, for those days, fucking a man we're, we're going to talk about that to our dying day because that was a really special time in all of sports man have you like, seen every game from the 85 season because i know you got yeah, the collection yeah, i've got them all like again i was if you'd have talked to me in 85 i would have probably been already telling you that i'm a bears fan mm-hmm. because like i said just because of the ads i become a bears fan because of jim mcmahon and that, that's absolutely true and uh but the i don't remember like watching the games and anticipating the games and really caring about the games beyond saying, Oh, I'm a bears fan until the 87 season. Mm-hmm. That's when I was really like, you know, emotionally invested and mm-hmm. was old enough to know what's going on, at least to a certain point. Yeah. And when you're that age, you know, that stuff doesn't forget. You don't ever forget it. You know, like the 69 Cubs was when I first started to kind of, really really pay attention to sports you know the 69 bears the 69 cubs i bring them up because they were in first place in, in on september 1st up by 10 games you know i oh had my, my god and you lose a 10 game lead they, in september yes the, oh god to the amazing mets and that you know and i can still recall the lineup the infield santo kessinger beckard banks hundley at catching the four pitcher rotation the outfield i can still recall that but it, it just made such an indelible expression and i remember towards the end of september when they had blown the lead and it was obvious they weren't going to go to the postseason 
I'm wearing my Cub Power t-shirt walking down North Avenue and people were just laughing at me. And so I went home and I took the t-shirt off and I threw it in the garbage can. <laughs> that wow. was it, man. It, it was a, and, then, and you were in Chicago already. You you're not in New York, right? No, yeah. I was in Chicago and, and then and people are laughing at you. If you're, they would be like, let me give you a hug. young brother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's a tough neighborhood, man. We I'm know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that's the same season. The, the bears went to one thirteen, and uh, the Blackhawks went to the Stanley Cup playoffs and blew it in game seven. It was a miserable time to be a Chicago sports fan, which is why it's, I'm an ornery son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like the Bears always find a way just to fuck things up that nobody else would. Mm-hmm. I hope that that's not what happens with Justin Fields, but I feel I still feel that way about Jay Cutler. I feel that way about the 85 Bears not winning another championship and, and not even making a postseason appearance with Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus. Mm-hmm. Only the Bears could fuck this up. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know how they fuck you. How do you go from drafting both of these guys in 65 and in 69 you win one game? And then but by a pubic hair, you miss drafting Terry Bradshaw the next year. Mm-hmm. It's just like only the Bears, man. A lot of people in the chat room uh, talking about the some some of the stuff they want uh, to hear Jim talk about. I'm starring all of these and saving all these comments. And uh, when I butt into the interview, I'll, I'll fire off as many of these as possible. One of the things that people are uh, asking about is they'd love to know what Jim's thoughts are on a present uh, quarterback, Justin Fields. And I, I don't know if uh, – I hasn't he said that he doesn't watch much football yeah, now? I can't speak for Jim, but I know – from listening to him my entire life, mm-hmm. he does not like to watch football when he's not playing. Mm-hmm. He said that he hated watching game film because it was boring. He hated practicing because it was boring. He loved to play because that was fucking great. And after his career, you know, he I don't think he watches any football. I mean, he even said when he retired, he felt like he could still play, but he was bored. Mm. He's like, I'm retiring because I'm bored. Mm. Wow. Because I don't want to be the backup anymore. Wow. One of the questions that came in on social media was, uh, I think it was from King Pookie Nation, or or yeah, King Pookie. He said, you know, I want to know why he said that the Packers were the best organization he ever played for. Is, does he still feel that way? That's not a touchy subject, but uh, maybe we'll uh, squeeze that question. Well, in. I mean, again, not to speak for Jim, but if, if you read his book, I mean, he predicted before it even happened, by the way, that the management would fuck this up. That's right. I remember. Uh, he, he, the management would fuck up this team. <laughs> they would get in the way of the players winning another championship. He worried about that. So having said that, I can't defend Jim's statement. I mean, he can tell King Pookie his thoughts by himself, but I think he's going to say that, you know, the Packers have been managed properly over the last 30 years as, as witnessed by them kicking our asses repeatedly mm-hmm. versus the Bears who just, Kind of get in the way all the time. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you see Brett Favre as another horrendous accusation against him? Yeah, I saw that. You you sent me uh, uh, via text a link to the story. I didn't get a chance to read it all, but what's what's the story with Brett? I, I, something about embezzling money from a charity. or Oh, no. <laughs> he's a piece of shit, man. He really is. <laughs> he, if controversy follows that guy around everywhere. Um, hey, PJ, how are you? Uh, and everybody else in the chat room. Um, one of the other things that 
we should talk about with him. Well, we're not going to talk about the beer stuff when he got out of the limbo, correct? Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted. I, I hope that Jim will be cool with not going through the greatest hits. I mm-hmm. don't want to ask him about Doug Flutie. I don't want to ask him about the beer in 82 mm-hmm. or, you know, the same old questions about the 85 bears. Like, I want to dive in deeper. I don't want to ask just the same generic shit that he's been answering since 85. Yeah. That's what one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to this is, and, and that's not, not uh, a knock on any of the other interviewers from the past, but Dan's got a kind of a very unique perspective on, on uh, how he wants to handle this un- interview. And um, I'm, if I'm really I could give you an analogy, mm-hmm. let's say whatever your favorite band is, mm-hmm. whomever it is, okay. who, who's your favorite band of, of all time? Uh, I would probably say Zeppelin. Okay. Pretend hypothetically right now, Led Zeppelin is performing across the country and you've got tickets. There's a difference but going from going to see them at a festival where they're going to play their greatest hits mm-hmm. versus you're going to get a show when they're headlining their show, you're going to get deep cuts and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, tracks they normally wouldn't play for, for the mass, right. but they know you're their fan base. They're going to play stuff that maybe is on the, the second side of the record. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's kind of where I want to go with Jim here. Not ask him the same shit that Adam Schefter would ask him. Mm-hmm. I want to ask him the stuff that a bears fan might want to know more specifically, mm-hmm. not just the general pop culture shit. You know, mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Absolutely. By the way, uh, Jerome Munoz says that he heard the Bears are trading uh, Robert Quinn to the Kansas City Chiefs for a third rounder. That's probably a rumor because I haven't seen any official reports or anything from any of the established, so-called established uh, uh, gossip uh, reporters, but. Uh, Trading him to KC for a third, man, that just doesn't seem like enough to me, man. That's what I was thinking. I thought after the season he had, mm-hmm. I mean, he's worth a second. At least, man. I mean, not- and why trade him to Kansas City? Man, just just put an asshole tax on them. <laughs> like you're trying to win another Super Bowl. Well, give us a second round pick. You just got 25 picks for Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. Fleecing the Miami Dolphins, man. So give us some more love here if you want our if you want our number ninety four. Yeah. Somebody in the chat room is uh, go, going by the name of Butkus says he won almost seventy five percent of the games he started for the Chicago Bears, which is sixty one games started. That is amazing. It really is. I mean, yeah, man. And what forty six and fifteen in the regular season. Yeah. And then forty nine and eighteen or forty nine seventeen in the regular. Or if you combine the postseason with the regular. Gotcha. And the thing is, is the only guy that could stop uh, Jim McMahon was Mike Ditka. And Mike Ditka, in essence, sort of did. You know, I mean, he had so many fucking restraints on that guy. McMahon, he, he should have been given the keys to the offense, you know, uh, call the plays. You'll be one of the last guys in NFL history to call your own plays. Go out there and lead this offense. We'll talk about your play selection at, at, after you scored a touchdown or after we punted, whatever it is. I would have loved to have seen him run the offense he wanted, you know. Uh, I remember when he was on the Mike North advantage, he said, you know, Mike Ditko is a great coach, but he was a terrible play caller. I would have loved to have played football with Mike and have him as my tight end. And, you know, and I think that I, I couldn't agree more with him. Mike, Mike uh, Ditko, unfortunately, was very, very conservative when it came to play calling. 
And uh, it would have been so, so much fun with Willie Galt and Dennis McKinnon and Walter Payton, who was a terrific pass catcher. That fucking offense could have been posting 34. As accurate as everything is you're saying, Mm -hmm. at least we could run the ball when Mike was there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We could always run the ball, and we haven't had a team that could run the ball mm-hmm. like effectively since Thomas Jones, mm-hmm. yep. except for the one year Jordan Howard was running over people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess two years of Jordan Howard was really solid. But, you know, like with Nagy, as I've said over and over, it was just like he, as good as David Montgomery is, like he, you know, couldn't get into a rhythm at all because of Baldy. <laughs> I don't want to say bald fucking case Jim's here. And I don't want to piss him off. Uh, we're expecting him soon. Uh, he can take as long as he wants, as long as he doesn't take until 10.25, five minutes left. Dan's got to go to work. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. Um, and um, we've got... I'll tell you something else I'd like to talk to him about it. Okay. Unless you... I, I interrupted no, you. No, no, no. I was just going to say quickly in the chat, somebody said that McMahon was as tough as a, as a two-day-old steak. And, and that is true, man. He was a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> One of the things I remember from the book, and I'm sure he'd be more than willing to, to dive in on this, is he was hurt before Charles Martin. Mm-hmm. And the Bears kept telling him that there was nothing wrong with his shoulder. And he thought, man, something's not right. And he was like almost out of like spite because Dan Hampton kept fucking with him in front. And I love Dan Hampton on WGN, as you know, and I loved him as a player. I mean, come on. But behind the scenes, Jim said that like Hampton was constantly like digging at him and like in front of the whole team saying that like he wasn't, you know, like, are you really that hurt? And like challenging his manhood. So it's like he's playing like to shut Hampton up mm-hmm. when in hindsight, he probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. And then when the Charles Martin thing happens, of course, he has to miss almost an entire season, a full calendar seat, a full calendar year is what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, because of the, the rotator cuff uh, as a result of that injury. Mm-hmm. And even so, like he had to go get a surgery outside of the bears organization. Cause he didn't feel like they would fucking do this right. The, the surgery, right. Mm-hmm. Man, those bears Packers games, uh, with Forrest Gregg, the head coach of the green Bay Packers and Mike Ditka, the head coach. I mean, those two guys hated each other, hated each other. I would have loved to have been, you know, a fly on the wall in both of those locker rooms to hear what Greg was saying about the bears and Ditka and to hear what Ditka was saying about Greg and the Packers. I mean, that was pure, pure hatred. Well, Ditka said the story over and over that uh, at least once, maybe twice when they came up to Lambeau that they had horse shit in the, in the locker room. Mm. So when the bears came in, literally the whole locker room smelled like shit. That's just fucked. And had the heat on. Oh, that's right. I do remember yeah, that. So just horrific things, man, that they would do. Like they just absolutely hated each other. And mm. and that's why it was so in 87 when Butler kicks the field goal from 52 yards uh, to beat Green Bay, mm-hmm. which was McMahon's 25th consecutive win in the regular season, mind you, mm-hmm. uh, 28th overall. Uh, Butler flipped off uh, the Packers bench. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, fucking love it. I Could you imagine if uh, if Santos would flip off that little boy, the head coach in Green Bay? I would love it. 
<laughs> I wonder what McMahon's relationship is with the Packers and their fans now. I mean, he really enjoyed his time there, but uh, when he went to the... Fuck it, he still wore our jersey when they went to the White House. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. So, uh, we, you know, Chicago is definitely number one in his heart, but uh, I know that uh, he wishes certain things were different with the Bears organization. Um, Nomad says that back then they shot those guys up with so much dope and they got hurt. Yeah, if you've read any of the books from that era from football players north of the Dallas 40 and some of those other books, man, they were hanging, handing out, you know, painkiller pills like they were candy, like candy corn on Halloween. Uh, incredible. Uh, Cliff Victoria says McMahon was the best quarterback the Bears had since Luckman. Uh, inarguably, that is a fact, Cliff. Uh, and, you know, who? there's nobody here who saw Sid Luckman, so we can only go by, by his stats and stuff. But given, you know, the way football was played back then, who knows? If we, were, if we had the opportunity to watch some really good film of Luckman and really good film of Jim McMahon, we might come to the conclusion that McMahon was the better quarterback because the styles of play back then, you know, it was, it was just so different. So... Who knows? Imagine if Jim and his youth and, mm -hmm. you know, the 26, 27 year old body of Jim McMahon with today's quarterback rules. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Because, I mean, he could basically, as we saw by Charles Martin again, you, you can, even though he was, you know, suspended and fined for that uh, a little bit, he got a small fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm just saying you could beat the shit out of the quarterback then, as in comparison today, any of those hits on McMahon now, you're in deep shit. Yeah. Although Fields took a beating and, and a lot of times didn't get penalties uh, last season. You mentioned that he didn't like to look at film. One of the things that I would love to hear him talk about is if, if you know, by not watching film, how did he prepare? I mean, was this, uh, you know, uh, playground football for him? You know, he just dropped back to to – to pass and saw where the safety was and saw where, where knew, he knew where his guys were going to be and so forth and then fired the ball. You know, how do you do that? You know, because we, we're all programmed to think that you have to watch film. You have to know what it is you're doing. I mean, this, this guy in that Vikings game, he comes in on one play, uh, uh, throws a touchdown pass to Willie Galt that changes the tempo of that game, and the Bears end up winning. His second pass is a touchdown, too. His second <laughs> right, pass to was a touchdown to McKinnon, <laughs> and right. his fourth pass was a touchdown to McKinnon. Unbelievable. He probably didn't watch any film at all that week. He was probably in the You know, and it's funny you say that. In, in the playoff loss to Doug, the Doug Williams game in 80, uh, January of 88, the 87 season, mm -hmm. Uh, when they lost. And again, the Bears had a 14-0 lead. Uh, but the defense, of course, which is, you know, we all pound our dicks about, and blew a 14-0 lead at home in the fucking frigid cold bear weather and blew that shit. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is in the pr the pregame, they were talking because, you know, to all the Bears, like, what's the, wow, McMahon starting. Now it feels like you guys can really win. You know, what is it about McMahon? And they had uh, Jim Culvert says on there that, a lot of people don't think of him this way, but he's a general. Like, he he can read defenses better than anybody I've ever played with. Now, keep in mind, who did Covert play football with in college? Dan Marino. Okay, yes. And he right. said McMahon read defenses better than anyone he'd ever played with. Mm -hmm. So he said he didn't come out and, like, jab Marino when he said it. Sure. But he, he was just saying that a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves for just his ability to be able to see what the defense is doing to our offense. Mm -hmm. That's straight out of a Hall of Famer's mouth. Yeah. 
Laz says that he wonders why McMahon never had a desire to coach. It seems like he would have been a great coach. I, I don't know about that, Laz. I, th- I get the feeling that Jim, because he just marches to a different drummer, I don't know if he would have been a good coach. You know, a lot of guys who are great at what they do, um, it's difficult for them to become head coaches because the game becomes it comes so easy for them and they don't have the patience for for players who struggle a bit you know larry bird is definitely an exception bird was a pretty good coach for the indiana pacers uh bill russell was a great coach because he was a player coach took over for red arback i'm having difficulty thinking of other great players who have transitioned to coach or manage. phil jackson Oh, there you go. Phil Jackson. Uh, Doug Collins. Doug Collins was a player too. There you go. Okay. Uh, but Phil Jackson, definitely, right? He was oh, a world champion, Nick. That's right. And that's right. Uh, obviously, you know what he's done. What has he got? Nine rings? Does he have 10? Jeez. What does he have? Um, he had six with the Bulls and another. Shit, four. He's got, he had three and then he won a couple with Kobe later. Mm-hmm. So he's got 11 rings. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. By the way, what'd you think of uh, the Lakers? Uh, uh, TV show from this past Sunday, and and great. Uh, thankfully, it's been picked up for another season. Yeah, it was the slowest of the episodes thus far, but I liked how they really spent time conveying that Westhead was like a Shakespearean, you know, advocate. And I, I'd like to see the real press conference if you really said that. Mm-hmm. You know, if he just started quoting Shakespeare to get the media <laughs> off his back, but <laughs> that, that would be cool to see. But that was awesome scene. <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, I liked it though. I really, really enjoy that show, and and the Uber one wrapped up, and I liked it. I liked it too. I'm glad it's kind of done. Yeah, I agree with you. It was the, kind of the right amount of episodes. You know, what was it? Six, I believe. Seven. Seven. Yeah, it, it could have been six. It should have been six. Um, but uh, yeah, the Uber ep- episode was good. We finally saw the, the demise of uh, the DK character played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Outstanding acting in that uh, in that particular episode by Levitt. Uh, I thought he was. Yeah, I like the ending when he breaks the fourth wall and he's like, you know, so oh, you're probably cheering my demise. Well, mm-hmm. fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just goes on this monologue to chastise the audience for rooting against him. Yeah, I enjoyed and that. It, it is, uh, it is weird, you know, that for so many of these mega billionaires, you know, that they they have to have this ultra alpha attitude in order to to succeed and that's not there there are exceptions to that of course but it just seems like there are so many of them who are just they have that kind of michael jordan will to win uh and that's how they become so goddamn rich i can't do that yeah and i think as you i mean again i didn't work for uber but if you and i didn't read the book but by watching the show you just feel like the demise of this character is just so much because if he'd have just paid attention to his female employees, mm-hmm. when all these accusations and this, this egregious behavior was coming in instead of just, he created a culture where everything was allowed to happen at the, at times it didn't matter if his employee, his female employees, it didn't matter about their feelings or the professionalism. And that ended up being his demise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he'd have just squashed that shit when it was happening, that dude would probably still be at Uber. He would. Well, also part of his demise, he was breaking the law over and over again. <laughs> right. Well, that's true, too. 
<laughs> he was spying on us. You know? <laughs> I've never gotten the Uber app, so you didn't spy on me. I've never been in an Uber uh, or a or a Lyft, uh, but uh, that you know, that, who the fuck wants that? People. I've used Uber a lot whenever I'm in a city, mm-hmm. uh, like if I'm going to a concert or a game or something. Mm-hmm. Typically, I would just get the Uber to to get me at the hotel or something, so mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have to drive to the actual game and pay parking and shit like that. Right. All right, I'm getting a lot of names in the chat of former players, very good players who have become really good coaches, Pat Riley, Jerry Sloan, and so forth. But I think what my point was is great players. You know, like Larry Bird was a great player. You know, he's on a lot of top 10 lists. Uh, Bill Russell, another great player. Can you think of a great football player who has become a great head coach? Or It's hard to – I know you're going to probably roll your eyes, but – Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh wasn't a great player. He was a good player. Mm-hmm. And he led the 49ers to the Super Bowl. I mean, so he didn't win, but still, you know, that deserves some recognition, I think. Yeah, That's but the he, first thing. I, I don't think he was either a great player or a great coach, given that he's never won a championship at any level. He's, he hasn't won a, an NCAA championship. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He never won one as a player. So I, 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 he falls short of being great. Now, would I want Jim Harbaugh to uh, coach my team? Yeah, because he's probably going to win one before he retires if he sticks in there. Um George PZ says George Hallis. He's got a little smiley face on that, so I'm not quite sure he's he's uh, uh, serious about that. Dick LeBeau, you know, was Dick LeBeau a great player? Did Dick LeBeau was he a great head coach? I, I'm not sure. Uh, Jordan says, although oh how I'd love to debate you on the merit of Harbaugh. Oh, we're gonna have to have Jordan on someday and talk about Harbaugh because I, yeah, that's a very divisive figure, man. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. I'd say this is a different sport. But I got a name that if he hadn't been forced out, in my opinion, he would have won a championship as a manager is Pete Rose. Oh, for sure. Pete was a solid manager and obviously a great fucking player. Mm -hmm. But uh, if he hadn't been forced out, I think Pete wins a World Series as the manager. Mm -hmm. JoJo says Art Shell. Art Shell was definitely a great offensive lineman and he did win a Super Bowl. So I'll give you that one. And Uh, his first tenure at the Raiders, he was solid too. Uh, Munoz says Ditka, and of course, yeah, I mean, Ditka was definitely a great tight end. Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately, Ditka should have won more Super Bowls, but that's another story. Maybe Jim, you and Jim could talk about that. (laughs) That that is the funniest thing. You know, I, I would love to know from Jim McMahon, if he could run any offense, what offense would he like? Would he have liked to have run the Bill Walsh West Coast offense, or would he? Or what he did at BYU? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, I picture him as wanting to run that uh, vertical offense, the Raiders offense, just go deep, baby, and uh, had some, you know have guys like Willie Galt as as wide receivers. That that's what he would have loved to have done. The West Coast offense, he would have been fucking bored by that. Totally uh, believe that. I, I, I question, I don't know if he would remember this or not, but in the pregame, something I'd like to ask him, but again, he may not have a recollection of this. Mm-hmm. In the pregame leading up to week one of 88, when we beat the Dolphins, the NBC had this this collage, this story about all the Bears that were no longer there from the championship team between 85 and 88. Mm-hmm. And so now it was a different team that was going to be more dependent on McMahon and the offense versus being able to just sit back and 
you know, your defense. But among the players that were that was gone was Willie Galt. And when he was asked about it, uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, Willie wanted to be in L.A. so badly because he wants to be an actor. So we're happy with him being gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, and in hindsight, was he just playing like the like the answer that like he thought he should give? Because I thought Willie's loss was, was pretty big for the Bears mm -hmm. because the guys they drafted that look, Wendell Davis was with us a bunch of years, had a terrible career-ending injury at the vet. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen that play in 93, it's disgusting. Two ACL uh, tears. Yeah, his kneecaps go into his thigh. It's just so nasty. But he and Ron Morris never could match what Willie Galt was. I I'm sorry they didn't. And, I mean, if anything, the closest thing to it was when they put Gentry at wide receiver. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Just being a guy that could hit a home run for you occasionally with the deep ball. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of times in the um, the second half of Ditka, Ditka's run, he would put Neil Anderson on a wheel route and they would go deep with it. And they beat the Lions in a game like that. Mm -hmm. um, McMahon against the Packers, first play of the game, deep, like 70 some yards, Neil Anderson touchdown. So they used Neil Anderson a lot whenever they could get a mismatch. Yeah. Somebody in the uh, chat room asked the question, uh, the 46 defense was named after Fensick or Plank? And it was uh, Plank. Dark Plank, yeah, because he wore the number 46. And because he asked Plank to basically play a, a linebacker position because the linebackers, the outside linebackers, were uh, lined up at the line of scrimmage. So he moved that strong safety up to the line of scrimmage, something that you see a lot of in today's football game. So he was the innovator of, of that, you know, uh, safety in the box. And so that's why he named it 46. And speaking we, of safeties, mm -hmm. one of the things I'd love to hear Jim's thoughts on, because this has always been a theory of mine where he might look at me and say, kid, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. But after the holdout and not winning a ring, like, it's crazy to me that they didn't put Todd Bell back in there. You could have put, especially because Gary was on his way out. Mm -hmm. Fensick was close to retiring. Yep. You could have put Dewerson and Bell together. Yep. And you're talking about ferocious fucking hitters back there. Yeah. To me, that's a missed opportunity. The Bears never utilized Todd Bell ever again. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's just a shame that guy's no longer with us and he didn't get a ring because he deserved it. Man. Yeah, I'm with you on that. T Todd was one of my favorite safeties of all time with the Chicago Bears. He was such a ferocious hitter. He seemed like a really nice guy and, you know, he, he just... Joe Washington says, fuck you, Todd Bell. <laughs> <laughs> you heard right. that hit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love Todd Bell is that, <laughs> that hit on Joe Washington. Yeah. Um, he and Hal Harris, unfortunately, held out for that 85 season um and at, at first i thought oh my gosh you know we, we, this is a super bowl team what are you guys doing you, you're gonna ruin our chances uh but no they um uh, uh you know the bears just picked up the bears had such a had wilbur and dave dewerson in the bullpen mm -hmm. yeah. i mean if you they had to know who was behind them yeah colossal like talent on that team man colossal i mean i remember uh i remember thinking they had nine uh, i don't know if they made it to the pro bowl but I, I remember thinking they have nine pro bowlers on defense i mean these guys are are just stacked with talent i want that again man I want who wasn't a pro bowl that's the quite that's the easiest one who wasn't a pro bowler on the 85 team richardson okay mike at, richardson at, all right at corner probably leslie frazier oh i have to say leslie was a pro bowler 
Okay. Now, I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl. And Mike Hartenstein. Hartenstein was the other guy who I would say probably didn't. Slash it. William Perry. Yeah, those are yeah. probably – I mean, Hartenstein started early on, and then Perry eventually came in, and they moved Hampton inside. Mm -hmm. But the point is those are probably the only guys not making a Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's something that, you know, when you come back, when you come back to that argument of Buddy Ryan versus Mike Ditka – you know, Ditka was right a few times, uh, and and Ryan was wrong. Ryan was wrong about William Perry. You know, he kept calling him a fat sob and, and and couldn't play and so forth. And Ditka was convinced that this guy was going to play, but and, and so he put him in on the offense just so he could get some playing time, and he ends up being a, a superstar. Uh, and then the other time was, of course, the game in Miami. You know, uh, did yeah, with right. the refusal to go because he, yeah, Wilbur's getting beat by Martin Cooper. Exactly. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> this is pretty simple. <laughs> Let's get in a nickel here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's see, that's what scares me. That's uh, like, I know the, the bears, the players have different opinions on this and they, they'd like to have just beat the shit out of Miami, but the, the ability of Marino to throw the ball against the blitz, the quickness of his release. Mm -hmm. That scares me. I'm in hindsight. I'm glad the Patriots upset Miami because mm -hmm. I, I don't know, man, if there was a team in the AFC that could have beaten them again, even though they're 15 and one, it would have been Miami. I think. I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's so hard to, to sweep a, a, a season series in the NFL, uh, particularly if the team is outside the division. Um, I, I just don't see that happening. I would have loved, loved for the Bears to beat the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. That would have happened. Oh, I'd have loved for it to happen. But yeah. if you wrote me a script and said that Miami upset them, I wouldn't say that, oh, that's implausible. Mm. Yeah, I that's guess what you're I'm right. Saying. I guess you're right. Um, definitely not implausible, but I, I would have I would have bet if I was a betting man back then um that the bears would have won now back at that super bowl when walter payton fumbled in the first series i, I thought to myself okay it it's fucking over the chicago bad luck the 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 69 cubs and then the 69 bears and every other terrible thing that's happened to me as a chicago football fan is gonna happen again in the super bowl but instead, uh, the Bears defense holds the Patriots to three points, and then the offense starts going. I could understand why you'd be thinking that, even though I don't even have memories of watching that game live. Like I told you, 87 is my first sure. wheelhouse of a season. But if you put it into context, New England uh, won three road games. Mm -hmm. They upset the Jets. They upset the Raiders. And then they won in Miami. And they won at the Orange Bowl against Miami in the AFC Championship game. They hadn't won in Miami since 1971. Mm -hmm. And so they hadn't won there in 14 years. And they won, and it was a rain game. And they won just like our Super Bowl in Miami. And, and they, so they upset these teams on paper that were better than them. Mm -hmm. All three of them were on paper better than New England. And yet here they are getting turnovers and like, oh, shit, is that what they're going to do against the Bears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but if you go back to week two, the Bears kicked the shit out of them at Soldier Field too, though. Mm. Nomad says, "Do we have a guy on the present Bears team that could have played in that era?" I, I, absolutely, I think you know, even a guy like Wilbur Smith. I'm mean, excuse me, uh, Wilbur Smith, uh, Roquan Smith, because he reminds me a little bit of Wilbur Marshall, although Marshall had more weight on him, more muscle, uh, bigger bigger linebacker, but. Yeah, I think I think Roquan could have played an outside linebacker position in that four three. I think 
Um, Mike Brown's not with us anymore on the team, but Mike Brown would have been great for the 85. Yes. Bears. The yep. heart and effort yep. and the turnovers and right. great safety. Mike's the best safety. I think the bears have had outside of like the, the Dave Dewersons and, mm-hmm. and we were talking about earlier, Todd Bells and, and Gary Fensick. I think Mike Brown has been the best safety the Bears have had outside of that championship window. Yep. Eddie Jackson could not play on in that. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it required physicality. At that <laughs> That's point. right. It's a question about whether he could play in this era. <laughs> um, I'm sure Mac could have. Oh, yeah. Mac and Quinn. I, I, obviously, we traded him, but Mac could have played that. Robert Quinn could play that way. Yep. Um, on offense. Akeem Hicks. Keem Hicks would have fit in like absolutely would have been in 85. Oh, yes. Somebody in the chat room said David Montgomery. Absolutely. Montgomery would have been a Kyle Long would have been that kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Kyle Long is still in the league. I think he just had a baby, but I think he's still he's still in the Chiefs roster or is he a free agent? Uh, I wonder what is going to happen to him. He's got a career in broadcasting. I would love to have him back on the show here and and figure out, you know, what's going on, brother? Do you want to come and coach for the Chicago Bears? He would I wish that. he had responded that time I tweeted him because I was watching. I don't even remember which game it was now. It was an old playoff game. Uh, you know, obviously, Howie was still playing. Mm-hmm. And you remember the United Way commercials they used to always have? Uh, they had Howie with his young boys, yeah, Christopher yeah, yeah. and yeah. Is Jim with us? No, no, go ahead. I, I was recalling the, the, those commercials. Go ahead. Yeah, well, he had Chris Long and, and Kyle as boys there with him in the commercial. Mm-hmm. And I sent it. I tweeted the commercial to Kyle. He never responded. I was like, mm-hmm. look at this. This is fucking baby Kyle. <laughs> Seven-year-old Kyle Long. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, Leo Factor, uh, also known as The Factor. Uh, does Dan have a gut feeling when reacting to players bears draft or he lets it play out during the season? That's a good question. Well, I don't watch college football enough to know what they did in college. So I I just, for some reason, I don't hate college football, but if I could do almost anything else, I would do something else. Yeah. Like I like baseball better than college football. I just, I just can't get into it. So usually I feel like if I can watch the first season, Mm-hmm. Then I get a pretty good feel if this guy, like, for example, I know you always argue with me on this point uh, and think I, uh, that I'm pumping, you know, like, no, 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 you need to just wait a little bit. But the corner, uh, fuck, help me think of his name. Um, From the uh, present? Vildor. Kendall oh, Vildor. Kendall Vildor, yeah. Oh, he screams bust to me. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that he plays well, but I gave up on him and I gave up on Cole Komet, but I hope I'm wrong. Can't I like the fact that I heard Komet is with Justin Fields working out. Yes. I love that. Yes. And by the way, I don't know if we've had a show since then. Terrible what happened to Dwayne Haskins. Just fucking oh. terrible. No, we have not had a show since then. Yeah, it is terrible. And um, uh, Schefter's taking a lot of heat because he, in his tweet, he made it sound like the most like important part of it was that, oh, this guy was a bust. Yeah, it was badly phrased. It was insensitive. And... um and you can report on that stuff later, but to to send it out in a tweet and it's like the the main thing in your tweet that that was just poor taste. Uh, and he's done that before, so and I imagine a guy like Schefter, he's getting 
so much freaking information and he wants to be the first one with it out there. You know, these guys get a boner by having the information they get be the first out there on social media to beat out the, the guys that work for other uh, sports outlets, news outlets and stuff. And so I imagine, you know, that he composed that um, recklessly, but then again, you know, some people are just kind of calling him out and, and saying, you know, maybe you've got a problem with uh, people of color and stuff. Uh, you know, how, how quickly some people will look at it through that lens. And I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, but it, uh, it, it was really, really a stupid thing that he did. And, and rest in peace, as PJ says, rest in peace. He's sorry for his family, as we all are. Yeah, 24. Mm-hmm. 24. There's no, I mean. I said it before, like with a real coach, like Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. like, the, I mean, I, it would, if you told me Tomlin turned the guy around the same thing I'm using for Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. If you told me with a real coach, he could be a starting quarterback in the league. I'm buying. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the guy, the guy had talent. It's just, it's just terrible that he died, man. Yeah. So young. Zach uh, reminds us that Gil Brandt also said some really insensitive things about Haskins. He was very quick to apologize for it. It took uh, Schefter some time to apologize, and then his apology came in the form of a podcast, which I thought was really bullshit for for Kikbukini. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the first times I've ever uh, uh, been on a video without a hat on and King Pookie Nation says, Aldo has hair. <laughs> Not much of it, but I do have some hair. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Brandt was was doing radio when the news came in, and so he said some insensitive things. I haven't heard or seen a quote, uh, but he immediately apologized probably 30 minutes later. I don't think a Schefter apology came until the next day when he addressed it in his podcast, and I thought that was in poor taste. You know, he took down the the insensitive tweet pretty quickly, and he should have replaced it with with an apology, poor choice of words, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, it's not not good. And, and he just signed a huge effing contract with ESPN. So he's going to be around a lot longer to make more of those stupid mistakes. And they lost him once before. He went to NFL Network at, at its inception. Oh, is that was, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, the early years of NFL Network, he had left ESPN. or He had, he had gone from ESPN to NFL Network. I don't know, like four, five, six, seven, when it was like the heart of the show was Rich Eisen and, you know, Dion and, and, um, Mariucci. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that he was their analyst. And when he left mm. and, but went back to ESPN, their analyst that replaced him was Phil's favorite, Jason Lockenfora. Hmm. <laughs> Jason Lockenfora, Phil's favorite. Yeah. That's another guy who, uh, you wonder, you know, if his sources, Aren't uh, voices talking to him in his head? I think he works for the Bears block. Who? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone always criticizes the Bears block guy for making stuff up. I was like, well, it seems like that's where Lock and Four resides. (laughs) You know, another issue I wanted to uh, bring up is um, there seems to be, I was listening to the three, uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the title. Please, somebody help me in the chat room. The three, king's podcast um i hadn't listened to them in a while daniel goodwin and a couple other guys who who are interesting uh always have interesting thoughts and so i was listening to their podcast and they were referring to an article where somebody was very critical of ryan poles and so i i put up a a a tweet 
um, getting people's reactions to how, what do you think, you know, about polls' work so far. And the vast majority of people are approve of what he's doing. They're either hopeful or uh, or they think, you know, this is definitely the way to go. So uh, and then a, a very small minority uh, were upset and not hopeful. You you you're hopeful right now, right? I'm hopeful, but if I could just throw you a curve sure. or a change up, maybe Please. to use an analogy, if this were a date, I'd start, I would be looking at my phone at this point and be like, <laughs> am, am I being stood up? <laughs> Should I go ahead and get a fucking salad here? You know? <laughs> Jim, where are you? <laughs> Don't break my heart. Jim. Uh, see, I got it here. Yeah. Let's quote the, the black eyed peas. <laughs> The 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 uh, the unrated version was "Don't funk with my heart" or is it "Don't fuck with my heart"? I don't know. <laughs> don't. I think it's "Don't fuck with my heart." <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him that. But I, I I it would. Do you think it would be rude if I said, "Hey, uh, did you get the link?" Or uh, he he clearly You're still got coming it. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how would I? How I mean, I you know, that? it's not like he's waiting around for us. I mean, and I get it. You know, he's a retired. Yeah. Well, I think NFL player. Somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, but that some uh, one of his kids handles his social media account. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think it's his son. Okay, his son. So um, I don't know. I, I, let's give him another ten minutes, and then if uh, if he's, he doesn't pop in, and I'll I'll send him a carefully worded uh, tweet. Hey, please, <laughs> please. <come on. laughs> We're friends with Mike North. <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway that 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 topic of you you're you're still hopeful of, of this regime i mean it it, it is frustrating yes. that i i actually did some research you know one of the first things that ryan pace uh did and and i went back on twitter to that era of june january's whatever it was when he was first hired 15 yeah to a, early april just to see what people were saying about ryan pace and everybody was in love with what he was doing everybody oh wow he is signing players to one-year contracts that is really smart oh ray mcdonald man that's a great chance to take on this guy um it, it was uh, effusive praise um and that, clearly that didn't work out. Um, but and but, he got praised for getting rid of Alshon and and Brandon Marshall too, yeah. and, and Martellus, mm -hmm. which were all good moves. I think you know those guys were were troublemakers. Uh, I hated to see them go because I, I felt like a good coach could have probably turned them around. But they went on to play with other coaches, and and they were still problem child. So. Um, it, Brandon Marshall, Hall of Fame talent. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! He could have just had that diagnosis maybe early in his career and just stuck with like if Mike Shanahan isn't forced out and he gets to play his whole career with somebody that believes in him, mm -hmm. then I think you know he would have been a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. um, PJ says with all the low end signings, I hope that polls knocks the draft out of the park with multiple trade backs and obtaining about six or more starters in the draft. See, I got a problem with that, PJ. Um, I think that those th first three picks that they have, all of them in day two, two of them in round two and one of them in, in round three, I think those are the uh, three out of the top 71 picks. I don't think he should trade those. 
I think that you can find, definitely find three starters with those picks. I think that if you're going to trade back and get a fourth round, a couple of fourth round picks, a fifth round pick, or what have you, just to add more draft picks, your odds of getting a starter material players are reduced drastically. Even some of the promising offensive linemen that are said to be, you know, fourth round, fifth round picks, you read the scouting reports. I talked to Greg Gabriel. I talked to uh, Danny and, and, and Neil. These guys are, are not sure locks that they, you know, a fourth round offensive lineman is even going to make the team. But you have two second rounders and a third. You're, you really got to work hard to blow blow it that uh, you, you're not going to find a starter. Now, the thing is, is can they become a superstar? Uh, the odds are a lot better that they will, that you'll find a superstar in rounds two and three than they are four, five, six. And I know everybody's going to say, well, what, what about this player? He was drafting. What about Brady? Right. Well, yeah, but think about all the guys that didn't, you know, speaking uh, of Brady, did you see that article about that sadistic plan he had with Miami? Oh my goodness. How is he you getting a pass that. for this? Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, right? So he T he, tell people what, he what retires happened. as an illusion mm -hmm. with the uh, allegedly with the idea of becoming a minority owner of the Dolphins and then suddenly to pop up as, oh, now I'm the player for Miami mm -hmm. because he wanted away from the coach and and was trying to whore his way to the Dolphins is what I'm saying. <laughs> but after they had the uh, the Brian Flores lawsuit, allegedly they are like, well, we need to keep this squeaky clean from here on out. So we're not going to try this underhanded shenanigans, nefariousness, is that a word, yeah. to get you over to uh, Miami. Mm -hmm. But still, just the fact that he thought at the time when he was retiring, it was disingenuous. Ooh, just God, just... I've always thought Brady was a liar and was part of that New England cheating, and it just adds to it to me, man. This I know everyone worships him because he's won, and rightfully so, but goddamn, I don't like Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him uh, either. I know the Parisi brothers who do the, the hockey show here at the network and uh, in, in the baseball show, Crosstown, Crosstown. They're huge fans of Tom Brady. I, I, I you know... <laughs> I got to give him his props. He's got what seven rings. He, he definitely deserves credit for those championships, but I don't think he's a great quarterback. I mean, Dan Marino had a much better arm. Joe Montana was a much smarter. I wouldn't say much smarter, but he was a smarter uh, quarterback. John Elway. John Elway was a tremendous athlete. He was just much better. So, the counter argument is, well, so why did Brady win all these championships and, and those other guys didn't, you know, well, there's a lot of help along the way with video cameras and exactly. stolen playbooks <laughs> and deflating balls. There's a lot of smoke around these fires. That's right. Uh, so I, I, you know, Cliff Victoria says goats aren't the nicest people like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, etc. I I agree with that, but it, it, you know, this, story that dan is referring to is it just was kind of a duplicitous thing by tom brady and yeah. it is what it is you know i'm not i'm not i don't want to take anything away from his play he's he's great uh but if you're tampa though how do you kind of feel about that honestly if you're 
I guess if you're one of the, uh, the if you're the owner of Tampa, you're like, fuck it. He's going to sell us so many jerseys. We're going to win more games with him without him. So we'll take him back. Right. But if you're Bruce Arians and I mean, don't you kind of feel double crossed by this guy? Absolutely. I, I, Is that why Arians left? You think? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why Arians left. I think, you know, the story says that Brady was with, uh, after he had that meeting with the Dolphins owner, he came and talked with the Bucks owner. And then the very next day, Bruce Arians announced his retirement. I, I think he came back and said, hey, uh, he, he went to the Bucks owner and said, hey, I'll come back if Bruce steps aside. And then Bruce meets the media and says, you know, I'm retiring and I'm doing it my way. I want my guy, Todd Bowles, to take over and stuff. That was the arrangement there. That's how I feel that went down. And you know what? You can make the argument, and I, I might buy it, that Brady deserves that kind of special treatment. He's earned it by the fact that, you know, in his very first year, a 42-year-old quarterback wins a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I don't know, man, but I, I'll tell you one thing. I I would love for the Bears to beat the shit out of them in the NFC uh, Conference Championship game, I guess, because we're not playing them this year, right? I don't think they're on our schedule. I don't think so. I want to beat Brady. I want to beat Rodgers. I want to beat all these great quarterbacks. That's what I want as a Chicago Bears fan. This is what I dream of. I don't want I don't want to back into the playoffs like we did the two years ago. I don't want to have a mediocre team again uh, and again and again and again. I want, you know, if, if back to the poll subject, polls is doing the right thing, but I am a bit impatient, you know, <laughs> and uh, I would like to see some major acquisitions soon. I know it's probably not going to happen until 2023 in terms in, in terms of free agent, and we can, we'll only know late in the season if any of these draft picks are going to be stellar guys. But I am impatient. I, I, I think he's doing the right thing. That's the way I would do it if if I was the general manager of the team, blow it all up and start all over, accumulate uh, dollars for free agency, accumulate draft picks that 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 will translate to big time players, build around your quarterback. Um, I don't know. I I I I I just um, I'm impatient. That's the only criticism I have. I, I wish there's there were some players in free agency that I wished. Uh, polls would have gone after and 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 certainly the larry Joby thing doesn't look good i mean it's no fault of his that the guy uh, uh failed the physical but it went you know whose fault was it that the physical wasn't done until three days later and right. ryan pose himself admitted that there were players that signed elsewhere during that period that he would have pursued if he knew that Larry Ogunjobi had a bad ankle or plantar fasciitis, whatever the shit that, that that's called. Fasciitis. Fasciitis. You've ever had that, Dan? No. I hear it. it's awful. That's man. more of an NBA player thing. Yeah, but it happens in uh, football too. But yeah, you're right. It is a lot of Scotty Pippen had it. Uh, I remember that. Uh, Tony Moy says, I'd rather keep up. Oh, I'd rather keep next year's top 10 pick. What if polls doesn't like fields after the seal, he'll be able to draft his own quarterback. Yeah. Dan and I talked about that, you know, cause there was a story. I think Kevin Fishbane wrote that 
Fields has to prove himself to Poles because if not, then Poles might be looking for a quarterback in the 2023 draft. And that dejected <laughs> Dan Aguirre, right? Dan? Oh, it did. It did. I mean, come on, man. Like Phil Collins or Phil Collins, <laughs> Phil Jackson was what? Mike's Michael Jackson's fourth coach mm-hmm. with the Bulls, wasn't he? Mm, yeah. Albeck, Lockery. Collins and then Phil Jackson. Yes. Yeah. So what if Phil to come in and say, you know what? We want to get our own shooting guard. Mm-hmm. This guy, he he hasn't won anything. <laughs> I mean, you'd be crazy. Not that I'm comparing Jordan to, to Justin Fields, but I'm just saying at some point, recognize the talent you have mm-hmm. and build around the talent that you have. But why do you, or is he that much of an eagle maniac? He's like, I didn't draft him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's like it's got to be who I draft. I mean, you'd be a fucking raging narcissist. Yeah, <laughs> if you couldn't recognize the talent you had or that was giving to you, mm-hmm. you inherited. I mean, you, you can't like come in with a brand new roster the next season, like a fifty-three new guys from other teams. I mean, you're gonna have some holdover, and that holdover should be number one. Mm-hmm. Tony Moy says Fields has to prove. Uh, it has to prove that he's improved uh, this year. And you're right. I mean, the key things for Justin Fields is protecting the ball, right? We, we were all very, very upset that he fumbled so much. I mean, I think he turned over the ball more than any other quarterback in the NFL last season. So you, you he probably have... got hit more than any other quarterback in the NFL too, though. <laughs> very, very true. But there were also times that he held the ball a little too long. Um, and clearly, you know, the uh, Matt Nagy didn't do him any favors. You and I were at the Ugh. Cleveland game and, uh, those poor outside uh, tackles were being uh, dominated by the Browns' outside pass rushers, and uh, Matt Nagy did nothing. It, it's almost like, who was it? Was it you or somebody in the bar room? I know a lot of other fans were complaining and saying that, oh, uh, Stephen Nagishi saying that it felt like uh, Matt Nagy was purposely trying to see fields fail in that game because he did absolutely nothing to help the guy a rookie quarterback who's had very little practice time uh with the starters and you're leaving him out there with you know at the game it was in the third quarter and you and i looked at each other and said what happened to play action passes it's like <laughs> if you listen to our show I think we were, I guess we were on Tuesday, like, cause we both traveled back home right. from Cleveland. I'm fairly certain on that show. We were both saying this is a fireable offense. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he should be fired this week going into that Detroit game. Mm-hmm. There should be somebody else coaching uh, that game alone. Is just a microcosm of his ineptitude in the four seasons that he was here? Mm-hmm. God, he's just a terrible coach. I wish him nothing but the worst. Like usually when somebody leaves, even if it's John Fox, I'm like, okay, I hope he's all right in Indy, whatever, you know, but no, I don't want Nagy. Like I have malice toward this man. Mm -hmm. Like he, he took a Super Bowl ready defense and wasted it Mm -hmm. and, and wasted Mitchell Trubisky or maybe Mitchell rebound in Pittsburgh. And now he, he was about to waste Justin Fields. God, he's just fucking terrible. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, but he, thinks he's great. Well, he sure does. I mean, uh, and I, what I would like to see is, well, I, I shouldn't say this, but what I was going to I would say, like to have seen him make a Jada Pinkett Smith joke. <laughs> 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 and Will Smith 
anywhere in the country just as long as there are videos around. <laughs> well, you're gonna be bald like me pretty soon, girl. You know, <laughs> smack that bed, smack him in the face. <laughs> you're terrible, <laughs> but, I, but you're funny. Um, the I would love for Patrick Mahomes to give us the real lowdown on Matt Nagy. You know, it's like uh, uh, Patrick, we're halfway through the season and uh, things haven't gone. Uh, as expected, uh, your numbers are down uh, the lowest in your career. What do you attribute that to? And, and for Patrick to say, fucking Matt Nagy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy is like a boil that you can't get rid of. <laughs> He's been asking me to do this and do that. Well, what about the loss of Tyreek Hill? No, no, it's, Pat, it's Matt Nagy. <laughs> it's all Matt Nagy. <laughs> all right, it is at 9 o'clock. I am going to text let me give a shout out now to our man Tooch too. He's not feeling well tonight. Oh, yeah, no, nobody's asked about Tooch in the chat room. It's like everybody's waiting on Jim McMahon. On Jim, yeah, I'm really starting <laughs> to feel frantic now. I was nervous before he came on, but now I'm nervous for a different reason. <laughs> All right, so what should I write here? What should I say? What should I say? Uh, Jim, just checking in. You're still coming on with us, or? I mean, it's well worth the wait, you know, if he comes on. But oh my gosh, yes! I just don't want he, him to come on at ten fifteen or eleven fifteen your time, and you only have fifteen minutes with him. Yeah, if, if he doesn't come on, it's going to be a huge false start on, on us. <laughs> All right, so checking in, hoping you can still make it. Oh, Actually. God praying <laughs> even then <Yeah>. the <laughs> please <laughs> to whatever denomination you subscribe to sir. <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh man oh what happened oh shit you, you can send this with effects i didn't know that you can send a text with effects that's a slam allowed a gentle invisible link invisible link oh. wouldn't help <laughs> Man, the, I don't want to. Don't make it seem like you're like you're gonna. It's some way to piss him off with it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I it, it's it's a bitch getting old, man. Today I went to the show to the to the supermarket to get some things. My wife is having hip surgery later this week, so I wanted to get some things because I'll be cooking for her and and doing all this stuff. And um, all of a sudden I'm I'm putting something into the cart and I'm like I don't recognize any of the shit in my cart. I've been walking around for an aisle with somebody else's grocery cart. Oh no! <laughs> and so I'm running back uh, to uh, to return the cart to its rightful owner, and I see this lady like she's looking around left and right and wondering where the hell my cart going. And fortunately, she was she was a sweetheart. And uh, but but that's the third time it's happened to me in the last year. I just get kind of tuned out and uh, making all these mistakes that uh, you see people in their 60s do they're walking outside in their underwear <laughs> oh man jim mcmahon is here he is Ugh. actually actually here <laughs> oh my goodness hold on a second let me uh fix this video here very quickly jim mcmahon is in the house um i should have had this better uh done here there you go there we go jim mcmahon how are you What's going on, kid? <laughs> I am doing great. My name is Aldo. The guy pictured above me is Dan Aguirre. And I hope you don't mind if we swear on this show. 
because we typically do. And I just want to tell you that Dan Aguirre right now is jerking off because he is so happy that you are on the show and talking to him. You, right. and, you and I talked once before when you were on the Mike North Advantage. Uh, and, uh, and we're really, really super happy that you're here with us. Uh, Dan has uh, several of your jerseys. Uh, he wants to uh, engage you in Bears talk and talk about your life and really whatever you want to talk about. We're here for you. And again, very grateful that you're here with us today. All right, but no worries. All right. Dan, it is all yours, my brother. Jim, I just want to say, sir, I'm sorry that I'm sick. I'm not uh, sound like shit. I apologize. But uh, it's an honor just to talk with you. I may seem like a dude in his 40s now but I was a kid when you were playing. And so you were my childhood hero. I don't mean to sound disingenuous or embarrass you or anything. Um, well, I'm old. I cried you traded to San Diego. That's, that's, <laughs> I was only eight, but I cried. Yeah, I, I did too, but it was a happy tears. <laughs> can, can I ask you about that? At the time, at the time you were traded, Harbaugh made a bunch of uh, – he was saying a bunch of shit that you were – flashing Tom Zach signs on because you remember you had a preseason game against the bears as soon as the trade happened. Right. And he claimed that you were trying to help Tom Zach win the job and flashing signals. Is that true? Did that really happen? No. I mean, that's <laughs> hell. I, I, I didn't care what the hell their signals were. I wasn't watching what their signals were. It was a preseason game. It didn't mean anything. You know, I could care less. So, you know, whatever he, whatever he was worried about. I don't know what, but it wasn't like I was running down the sidelines, yelling at the defensive guys going, Hey, he's going to run it. He's going to throw it. I mean, who cares? It's preseason. One game that sticks out from my head that year when you were a charger, I only got to watch from afar because we didn't have Sunday ticket back then. So I wasn't seeing a lot of San Diego games, but I remember you got to beat buddy. I think it was in an overtime game, but you all beat Philly out there. What was it like? Uh, for you, because we all know the 85 Bears stuff. I don't want to ask you the same questions. But for you, of ultimately, you're going to go back and play with Buddy in 90 with the Eagles. Yeah. What was it like is, uh, you know, playing for him as the D.C. versus when he was actually your head coach? Well, I, I was happy that he brought me into Philly. I and mean, we had a pretty good ball club there. And, uh, you know, he pretty much let me do what I wanted to do. So that was cool. But, uh Jim's ah, frozen a little on us. I'm sure we'll get the signal back in a second. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a very pleasant look on his face uh, as he's frozen right now. There he is. You're back, Jim. Hi. Oh, could you hear me? Uh, we missed you after, uh, I think about, we lost you for about five seconds. All right, where was I when you lost me? You, you said that Philly had a good team. Okay. Yeah, and I told Buddy to his face. I said, you were a great defensive coordinator. You changed the game of football. Uh, the West Coast offense came into being because of Buddy's defense. You know, if you didn't get rid of the ball in three steps, your ass was hit. So, but I said, you're a terrible head coach because, you know, as a head coach, you've got to be involved in every facet of your team. And Buddy only cared about defense. You know, he just, you know, he told our offensive coordinator, just run the ball, we'll score on defense and win. You know, that, that was his mentality. Oh, man. And I said, Buddy, you know, you play the you know, the Giants twice a year, the Redskins, the, the Cowboys, you can't beat these guys three to nothing or seven to nothing. You know, you got to score points. But uh, he just did not care about offense. He just, that was just time for his defense to rest. That's, a, that's how he looked at offense. 
Well, I'm going to bounce around topics because I don't know how much time we have with you. Something I've always wanted to know if there was ever any validity to this. When Mike was fired, Mike Ditka in January of 93, there was a report going around like a day before that was suggesting that he wanted to bring you back to the Bears, that he had given up on Harbaugh. Was there any truth to that? Was there ever any talks about you coming back before Mike got fired? No, not that I, not that I remember. No, I wouldn't have came back. (laughs) I wasn't going to go through that again, no. And I I guess you can recall beating the Bears twice that year. Of course, it was Wani's first year, but you beat us on Monday Night Football uh, at Soldier Field. When I was with, what, the Vikings? Yeah, you swept the Bears. You're the only player that could leave the Bears, and I'd be like, all right, you know, fuck it. I'm glad glad he still got the W. (laughs) The only Bears player ever. To go to another yeah, team. That was that was nice to, to be able to be. I don't think I lost to him once I left, so that was kind of nice. And with regards to the Minnesota thing, I always thought, or I think I heard you speak about this. I don't want to misquote you, but because you took a beating in that playoff game against the Giants with the Vikings, yeah. is it true that you sustained a broken neck in that game and they didn't tell you and allowed you to go back in there? Well, I believe that's where it happened. I mean, my legs went numb twice in the game, so. I'm pretty sure that's that's when it happened. Um, you know, I told the guy, I said, "Look, my legs went numb." You know, and I did. I wasn't really having any pain in my neck, and uh, I missed a series or two. Went back in, uh, rolled out, threw a pass. Remember, the DN jumped up to block the pass, missed it, and just barely, barely brushed my brushed my helmet today, which you know be a big flag today. But uh, and my legs went numb again. And so I, I left the game for good after that. But we ended up losing, and it was a playoff game. So you go home, you know, the next day you go in, you see the coach, and he says, all right, see you next year. You don't really you don't really take an exit f- physical. You go in and see the trainer, and he says, you, you know, you feeling all right? And I said, yeah, I thought, you know, I think I'm doing okay. Uh, it wasn't until uh, I was going through workman's comp about uh, probably 12 years ago, and you got to take a full physical, and they, they – um, you know, they x-ray every part of you and they said, oh, when'd you break your neck? And I said, oh, I didn't know I broke my neck. And I said, I have a pretty good idea when I did it. But he goes, yeah, look, your C6 and 7 are cracked and compressed. So it was broken at some point. And I played three more years, so I'm, I'm lucky to still be walking. You're, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not walking right now. Shit, I had uh, ankle surgery four months ago just to take off some bone spurs and in part of my ankle bone. I played with a broken ankle for, I don't know how long I kept saying that was sprain typical team doctors, but uh, yeah, I just forgot where the hell I was going with that. What, what was I talking about before? I st- we were talking about you being hurt uh, with your neck against while you were a Viking. Oh yeah. And then my surgery. Yeah. So ended up having three surgeries on my foot cause I had got an infection. Uh, actually, a couple of infections. I thought I was going to lose my foot. There was a big hole at the top of it and on the side where, where the ankle bone is. And all the skin had uh, blown apart because it, the infection got so bad it swelled up and just blew apart. So, I, you know, when I saw that, I didn't know if I was going to have another foot. But uh, four months later, the the big hole's almost filled in, but I still can't walk. You know, I, I came here to – I'm actually in Chicago right now, staying at my son's place in Northbrook. And uh, going through rehab with my old uh, trainer, so hopefully I'll be able to be able to walk before I leave here on Sunday. We definitely wish you well on that. Uh, your most famous uh, playing uh, moment with regards to an injury, of course, is the Charles Martin thing. 
But I remember reading your book as a kid. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't want to misquote you. But it seemed like you said in the book that that season you were already hurt. Uh, and, and you almost played because, like, Dan Hampton was, like, you know, talking shit in front of the team saying, like, come on, Mac, why aren't you practicing it? Like, calling you out. And considering he was such a great player and a Hall of Famer, why why do you think he would ride you like that? Because everyone else can see you're giving your whole body for the team. Like, why would a team leader like Dan Hampton, like, constantly just – who, who cares? No, I didn't care. But yeah, I shouldn't have played after the first game of '86. Uh, I dislocated my Browns game, right? Yeah, I dislocated my throwing shoulder in in that game, and uh, ended up, you know, trying to play. I, I think I played six games. That year. I kept trying to play. They kept telling me there was nothing wrong with my arm, and I kept saying, "Look, it's coming out of the socket." And the doctor was like, oh, no, it couldn't be. You know how painful that is? I go, yeah, it happens 100 fucking times a day. <laughs> and uh, so I, one day I could practice, the next day I couldn't move my arm. And so, uh, and I think the trainer was telling the, the defensive guys that I, I just didn't want to play, which is, you know, which is bullshit. You know, we had a chance to repeat as Super Bowl champions. I wanted to be a part of that. And so I, I just kept playing. And uh, then right after the Charles Martin game, we had a break. I think we had a bye. And I went and saw Frank Joe out in LA, who's a great shoulder and elbow guy. And he'd seen me before about my shoulder. And within five minutes, he said, Oh, it's coming out of the socket. I said, I've been telling this asshole that for the last 10 weeks. And they kept telling me there was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> and so uh, our, our team doctor actually flew out to watch the surgery. And as soon as he, he cut me from the top of my shoulder down to my armpit mm. and, uh, as soon as he opened me up, the doc, my doctor said, oh, my God, he, he wasn't lying. This is what Frank Job told me. So I said, why the hell would I be lying anyway? I, I, I know what's going on with my body. I've, I've been hurt enough to, to know what's going on. And I had no labrum at all. I mean, it was it, I originally, I think I dislocated it in high school. So I tore a big chunk out of it. But then and then over the years, you know, all the throwing and all the weights and everything else just wore it down to nothing. And uh, yeah, it was not. I didn't think I'd ever play again, and neither did Frank Job. He said, I, I pieced it. Oh, did we lose Jim? Uh, he should be back. We're, it seems like we're getting an intermittent freeze here. He should be back any second. There, he, there you are. You're back, Jim. Okay, I'm back. Yeah. So he pieced it together as best he could. I was, I was very lucky to be able to ever play again after that. But, you know, they told me it would take two years to play, and I was back playing in 10 months. So. You know, I was going through yeah. rehab three times a day, and, and it was brutal, but, you know, I was able to get back. And that's the stuff of legends, man. I mean, those. do you remember the first three games you came back? The, uh, you hadn't played since November of 86. I mean, you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the Wounded Bear. Will Jim McMahon play in 1987? The first three games back, you lead miraculous comebacks at Tampa Bay, Kansas City, and at Green Bay. First three games back, unbelievable stuff, man. Well, it wasn't like I didn't know the game. I mean, as long as as long as my body was physically able to do something, I mean, I could play. The game's not going to change, so it wasn't. You know, and our offense didn't change for the seven years I was there. So, you know, why even look at the game? You know, the, the playbook there—they're all the same. And at that point, you had won twenty-eight consecutive starts. 
uh, if you count the postseason. And the, I don't know if you remember this or not, but the first time you lost a game was on Monday night at Denver. And even your fault, you threw for over 300 yards, but Butler missed two extra points. Yeah. So you lost 31-29. Yeah, it would have been nice well, to keep I that streak going. Man, to build you up, Jim, because a lot of people, just because you bounced around a little bit, you don't get as much recognition as you deserved as a player. Yeah, you know they all talk. You know they all worry about stats. That's all they care about stats. You know how many yards you throw for, how many touchdowns. Uh, you know I I didn't really I I would love to throw throw the ball more. Hell, that's all I did in college was throw it. So I was very bored and disappointed in Chicago with that offense. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, that's just the way it is. You know, I I won a hell of a lot more than I lost, and that's that's the most important thing to me. Absolutely. And if you don't mind me focusing on negative just for a minute, because this is stuff I've always wanted to ask you. Uh, of the the three playoff teams that lost, of course, the Flutie game. Uh, I don't want to ask you about Doug. Everybody does. That game and then the one where you have the lead against Doug Williams and you're up 14 nothing. Yeah. Then the championship game at home against San Francisco. Which one of those is like the biggest, like, ah, oh, man, we had this shit. Like, which is the the hardest loss of those? Which of those three teams should have won the Super Bowls? I guess what I'm trying to get at. All of them. I thought so too. All of them should have won it, but the uh, NFC Championship game is the worst because I mean you're in the Super Bowl, you win that game. So uh, it was frustrating to lose to uh, Washington two years in a row after, like we said, we went up 14 points just before halftime. And you and, took uh, a shot when you threw that touchdown to. Yeah, I, I dislocated oh. my left shoulder. And I, on that hit, and I, I probably shouldn't have played the rest of the game. I, I couldn't throw anymore because you need your you need your left side to throw, even though you're I was right-handed, and I just couldn't put anything on the ball in the second half. I just you know should have came out, but that's just me. I wanted to play. Yeah, and it's still at the end. You had like it looked like I don't know if Willie ran the wrong route or what, but you almost threw a touchdown that would have won it late in the fourth quarter. But yeah, just man, the fourteen nothing lead—that's the one that always sticks out for me. It's like, how did the Bears' defense give up this lead? You know, it's cold, it's fair weather. Yeah. Walter's last game, Fensick's last game, Wilbur's last game, Wall Willie Galt's last game with the Bears. All these, Otis Wilson's last game. It's like the whole team fell apart after this one game. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was it was unfortunate. You know, we had played three NFC Championship games in five years and only won one, which is which sucks. <laughs> the but man, if you want to, if somehow, if you if if you play with the what if game with me, if for some reason somehow you all hold on to beat Washington, if Doug or um, uh, Daryl Green doesn't return that punt back for a touchdown, and you still win the game, you're gonna host Minnesota the next week. You're gonna beat the Vikings. You're going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're going. There's no way you're gonna lose to Minnesota the next week. No way. So it's it's Francisco yeah. lost. If you recall, Montana was benched. They lost to Minnesota out at Candlestick. I don't remember all that. I just remember our, our loss. Yards receiving. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, a you know, really you times times for the you know, Doug Williams is my point. And I always yeah. thought oh, that was so just so dis disappointing as a fan. But the, the 88 one, though, I honestly believed when they said you were starting and Tom Zach wasn't. God, I hate admitting this. But during the fog bowl, I was a kid, so I thought. Now I know you and Tom Zach were great friends and everything, but I thought at the time like Tom Zach's the enemy. 
Like, I don't want Jim traded. Like, uh, so when he got hurt against Philly, I was like, yes, bring Jim in. We need a win with Jim. And then when they said you were going to start against San Francisco, I thought there's no way we're losing this game. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And they kicked their ass. <laughs> Do you think it was I, – I tried to, like, come up with a reason – and the first time you all beat him on Monday Night Football, you had Richard Dent there just, you know, hitting Montana every other play, but he broke his leg and he missed the games. Do you think maybe that that's it? Was that the reason Montana was, like, going crazy? Like, what else, What happened from your perspective? Uh, we didn't play worth a damn on offense either. I mean, they were ready to play. They, uh, you know, it was really cold that day. I remember that. And I think we thought maybe they just, you know – just tuck tail and run, but they just, they whooped our ass from start to finish. Did you think at that time that this is, I'm out of here after this? Like, cause that ended up being your last game. Was that a possibility well, in your mind? I wanted out in 87. I, actually, after, yeah, right before the 87 season. That's why they drafted Harbaugh. Cause I told them I wanted out and, uh, they wouldn't let me go. Dicker wouldn't let me go. He kept telling me cause McCaskey wanted me gone after I'd written the book and said, you know, he didn't have, he didn't have no qualifications to run the team and then this and that. So he wasn't a big fan. So he wanted, he wanted me gone, <laughs> you know, that summer when he saw the book, but Dick said, no, I got nobody else. And so he waited two more years. I, I've got one more question. I've been dying to, to hear. I mean, again, so what if, but when you remember the game that Steve Fuller started and won at Washington, a playoff game. Yeah. And, they said, uh, this is what CBS reported at the time, if the Bears would have somehow beaten San Francisco in the championship game, that Jim McMahon would have been ready to play Super Bowl nineteen coming off the kidney. Is no. that true? No, no chance. Yeah, it took me about six months to even be able to move and, and uh, work out. It was brutal. I couldn't do anything but lay on the couch. Well, that alone shows how tough you are. The fact that you stuck, or even the Charles Martin game, people don't know you played almost the rest of that entire game. Yeah, I went back in after that, but yeah. I'm just saying, so many people just lose over the time, like how tough you were as an athlete and as a player and all the winning. Because I hear detractors will say, oh man, anybody could have won with that team. But Steve Fuller didn't win with that team. Doug Flutie didn't win with that team. Mike Tomczak didn't win, and neither did Jim Harbaugh. Jim McMahon won with that team. Yeah. You made a difference. I mean, you were the, you were the determining factor, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to – I mean, obviously, Walter is Walter, but, I mean, you're the guy. You're the callus. You're the reason we can talk about this Super Bowl, and I honestly believe that to be true. Yeah, they didn't know how to win. You know, we, we were always going to play great defense, but, you know, and, and the defense always thought they, you know, they were the shit, but – you can't win with just defense. I mean, that's been proven. You, you need a good defense to win, but you need offense as well. You need special teams, and you need good coaching. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we had some of each, and sometimes we didn't have any of anything. So, But, uh, yeah, it's tough business, but I'm glad I'm out. And what was it like when you were there, when Ditka had the heart attack? Uh, well, that, you know, at the time, because they, they said it wasn't uh, a bad one. It was, you know, just a scare or whatever. I don't know. He had one, but, uh, you know, obviously he lived through that. So I went, I actually went and saw him in the hospital. Uh, you know, I wished him well. I would have loved to play with Mike. He was a hell of a football player. Played the game the way it's supposed to be played. 
And, you know, had he ever been in my huddle, he would have understood me a hell of a lot better too. So uh, I think he, he thought I did stuff just to piss him off. I did stuff to win games. And sometimes, you know, he didn't like that. Let me jump in here real quick, uh, Jim, because one of the things that you, you mentioned in your book is that you didn't like to look at film. You just wanted to go out there and play. And how how is, you know, take me into your mind when you are under center and you're dropping back to throw. What is it that you see that other quarterbacks need to watch film and watch it over and over and over again to understand what the defense is doing? Because it's really a remarkable thing that it just came second nature to you. Well, when you're watching film, you're watching from the top of the stadium view. Mm -hmm. You know, and I couldn't, you know, I don't see very well anyway. So I couldn't see how far off guys were or if we're, whether or not they were inside shade or outside shade. <clears throat> but I knew where they lined up and, you know, just by deduction, there's only certain things they can do from where they line up. You know, they can try to fool you line up here, back off, which a lot of teams do, but a lot of teams, <clears throat> they play, they play uh, coverage based on the front they have. Mm -hmm. So if they have an even front, they're going to play these coverages. If they have an odd front or, or an over front, an even or an or odd or over, whatever they used to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, they played this kind of coverage behind that. And so if you look, just look at your game plan at all, you know, they give you a damn thing this thick every week about, you know, their tendencies on certain downs and, and this and that, and this is what, this is the coverages they play. And so if they, they're lined up in a, in a certain, like a, a, an even line and they're, there are three coverages they like, and they're not, the DBs are not lined up in one of those three coverages. That should alert you. All right, something's something's up. And usually, when something's up, they're, they're trying to bring a, a new blitz. And so that's it's very simple by where, where people are lined up, who's coming and who who's not. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it was very simple. I mean, you look at people's eyes sometimes because they'll they'll eyeball people that they have. Like linebackers will be eyeballing the back, or or a safety will be eyeballing. You know, there's no reason for a for a weak safety ever to look at the tight end unless he's got coverage on the tight end. And I remember I called an audible against Washington one year. It wasn't in the playoff game. It was uh, just a regular season. And they, and we come out of the huddle and the, the weak safety was looking up, looking for the tight end. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, Cause the strong safety tried to disguise it. He, he was off about six or seven yards and didn't really move until the snap of the ball. But I, I knew he, he had to be coming. And sure enough, I called an audible, just a quick slant to Embry Moorhead on, on the outside and he took it in for a score I knew that guy couldn't catch him, but you know, just little things like that. You just pick up on just playing. What, what offensive coordinator would you have loved to have played with? And I got to tell you just before, uh, before you answer that question, I, I too, as a diehard Chicago bears fan and just angry that you never got to run the offense the way you wanted to run it. Because I saw you play at BYU. You were putting up incredible numbers that day. When you came out of that limo, I was saying to myself, finally, we're going to have a modern offense in Chicago. Let this guy, I play and then unfortunately Mike you know had that very 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 conservative style of play so I wonder if you if 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 the ownership of the Bears said hey who do you want us to hire as an offensive coordinator or even you know just a, a fantasy pick as your offensive coordinator who would you have loved to have, have uh, played quarterback for 
it'll have been the guy who came to Chicago in 1978, Doug Scoville. He came from BYU. He was only there for one year. Mm -hmm. And then he came back to BYU. Thank God. I mean, the guy was offensive genius. I mean, I, I learned more from that guy than, than anybody else that I, I played for. You know, I played for seven different teams in the pros and nobody was as good as this guy. Mm. He just understood, you know, defense, how to overload, you know, zones, you know, man to man, how to pick people open. I mean, he was just incredible. He would sit at his office at BYU and his, his office faced the mountains. And I'd always try to, to sneak by his office because if, if he knew I was in there, I'd have to be in on the chalkboard and drawing up plays and defenses and stuff. And, you know, thank God he, he made me do that because I learned a hell of a lot from him. But he would just sit there and he, he'd say, see, see him out there? And I'm looking up at the mountain guy, you know, is this guy nipping at the bottle? Because he, he used to keep a bottle in the bottom of his drawer, too. <laughs> As he, and we knew when he came out to practice and his nose was all red that he'd been in, in that bottle. So, <laughs> yeah, he would just say, you see those? They're wide open. Look at them. They're all wide open. I mean, he just loved throwing the ball, scoring a lot of points. He'd always say, let's just light up that scoreboard. Let's make it look like Las Vegas. Just bing, 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 likes everywhere. And, you know, I don't know what – I don't know if he coached receivers here or quarterbacks when he was here in 1978. But, um, no, he ended up going back to BYU. I played for with him for one uh, one more year mm -hmm. in um, my junior year, actually, and then he left again. Uh, went to become the head coach of San Diego State. Ended up back in the pros of the Philadelphia Eagles and then passed away. He, after practice one day, he was on the, uh, he was on the bike or the treadmill or something. And then, uh, just dropped dead. Wow. That's sad. But he was one hell of a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, go ahead, Dan. Uh, I've got a couple more, but please, uh, jump back in. All right. One of my theories, I just, again, I'm just a meatball fan. I just want to see what you thought about this. I know you're not the coach. You don't make the, the, you know, the substitutions, but I always thought after the Super Bowl year, that the bears never utilized Todd bell again. I thought that was a mistake. Like it just, what do you think? I thought if they put Dewerson with bell, that could have been like, just well, they never brought him back after the strike. I'm sorry. Say it again, sir. They never brought him back after the strike. They, they sat out in 87. Ah, well, even 86 when he comes. No, back it was, it. yeah, it was 87. They sat out. No, it was, 86 wasn't it the championship team no they, missed, they, no they missed the super bowl they, they set out the <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying but when he comes back like they could have put him with Dewerson and been incredible back there i thought but, i don't yeah, even think they, they came back i think he cut him or traded him i don't ever remember seeing him again <laughs> that's my point he, <laughs> he was on special teams in 86 special teams the dude was a monster yeah he, he could knock people out that's for sure just a, a missed opportunity for the Bears. Well, they've had a lot. That's true. I know you don't like to watch football. We, we've I've heard you over the years say it's boring to you and stuff, especially since you don't play. But at, at any time, have you gotten to see our guy Justin Fields, the new guy? Uh, very briefly, probably maybe a series. <laughs> you don't learn to have a lot watching a series. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. But he played at a big time college. You know, he's got skills. So. You know, it doesn't really matter. He doesn't have anybody around him. It ain't going to matter. I don't know how good their offensive line is. That's the key. It doesn't really matter who your backs and receivers are. If you ain't got five guys up front that are going to fight, you ain't got no chance. 
Uh, let me uh, get some questions in here from the chat room. Uh, Bruce, Ollie, Walter, Jordan. <laughs> I think we know who, who his fans are, who he is fans of. Um, he wants to know if you've got a good Walter Payton story you can share with us. We know that Walter was a great prankster. Uh, did he ever pull a prank on you? Uh, other than the M80s you used to hang off the, the racquetball court with a long string and he'd be out of practice for 10 minutes before those things would blow up. But the, the poster that we did, the, the Chicago vice, if you remember that poster sure. back in the day, yeah. uh, you know, that, that was his Lamborghini. Those were all his guns. Mm -hmm. You know, he opened up the trunk of the Lamborghini and there was a bunch of cops around too. Just, and they, <laughs> and they're like, are those all your weapons? And he's like, yeah, I mean, he, he liked his weapons. That's for sure. <laughs> um, somebody is asking here, do you regret that the Chicago bears drafted you? And I'm praying that you will say no, <laughs> but uh, really do you regret it? Not at all. I mean, uh, I wasn't even supposed to go to Chicago. So I was very surprised when uh, the Baltimore Colts were drafting right before Chicago was that year. Mm -hmm. And I'd been back to Baltimore three or four times. I was having lunch and dinner with Johnny Unitas at his restaurant. He was telling me how great the city is, this and that. I'm going to love the city. And, uh, but I had forgotten. I had told my attorney I really didn't want to go to Baltimore. And so on draft day, when it, it came up, I, I'm still thinking I'm going to the Colts. And they, Pete Roselle says, in the Colts draft quarterback, so I'm thinking it's me. And they go, Arch Leister from Ohio State. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, what happened? And then my attorney called right away. He goes, he goes, well, how'd you like that? I go, well, what happened? He goes, you told me you didn't want to play there. And so I told him not to draft you because they, they couldn't even sign their running back at the time. I think it was Curtis Dickey. Mm. And they were having trouble signing him. So they said, he told them, don't bother drafting me. They'll never sign me. So they passed. And so, you know, the next, next call was Chicago. And the only thing I knew about Chicago was that my folks met in in Chicago uh, in, in the service. They were both in the Army. Uh, my older brother was born here. And other than that, all I knew was uh, the longest, or not the longest yard, the uh, the Piccolo story, the Brian song. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I knew about Chicago. Mm. Jared, Do you think, go oh, ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead Dan, go ahead. I, I, I always like these what-if questions. I hope they don't bore you, Jim. Uh, do you think that if for some reason you all get the win against Washington or San Francisco that next season, do you think there's a chance that you you don't leave, that you retire as a Bear? Because I always fantasize about those things in my head that, like, if you'd have just gotten one more, like, that, especially that second one against San Francisco, if you all have got to the Super Bowl that year, everybody's gone. It's like you're, like, the leader of the team. So it's just like you would have gotten so much more recognition. Do you think that you would have retired a Bear? Uh, it would have been nice to do that. Uh, it was tough on my family. You know, I had young kids. Uh, they traveled everywhere I went. So for the eight seasons I played after I left Chicago, they were they were with me. So, you know, they traveled around. They got to live on the East Coast, the West Coast, the Midwest. Uh, but it was tough on them always starting a new school, you know, especially when they're that little. But you know, after a couple of days, they already got friends and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I thought that was good for them to, you know, to see part of the different parts of the country and, and uh, you have to grow up pretty quick like that. So that, that was the toughest thing. It was on them, but I would have loved to, to stay in Chicago the whole time. 
we came back here. I was, I lived here for 28 years. So I, I was here until I retired and, and, and then some, so <clears throat> yeah, all my kids were born here and uh, I love the city or I used to love the city. I don't know what's going on now with, with some of these politicians. <laughs> I, we passionately hate Bill Belichick on this, on this show and Tom Brady. So uh, can you tell us the story? Uh, Cause I love to hear you tell it that Bill Belichick's a fucking liar. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's. Uh, I was uh, I was in Cleveland in '95. Uh, I go through training camp. Well, I think he was pissed off at me because I, I I went to camp a week late because I I didn't really want to go to Cleveland anyway. And I told my attorney, I said, just tell him I'm out of the country. You can't get a hold of me because I wanted to play in that golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I've been to that tournament every year. I'm not going to miss it. And. Uh, so I told the I told the people at NBC I said even if I'm leading this golf tournament do not put me on the television do not put my name anywhere I'm supposed to be at work and uh, so I, I show up a week late and Belichick says, says out of the country huh and I said oh Lake Tahoe I thought I didn't know where that was I thought it was a Canada or something and so he might have been pissed then so I, I go through all training camp at the end of camp he calls me in his office and he says look we're gonna have to uh, let you go. Cause we got too many guys hurt. We got to make roster spots. And I said, that's cool. You know, it's, it's my 14th year. I really didn't want to be there. <laughs> and he goes, but no, I, I really want you here. And I said, look, what, what does that mean? He goes, I can't go into the season with just Vinny Testaverde as my quarterback and, and a rookie as his backup. I, I need some experience. I said, well, look, Bill, I said, if I'm going to be here, I got a lot of stuff to do. I got to find a house. You know, I got to <laughs> find a hockey team for my sons. You know, I got to move my family, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, 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 we're going to take care of you. We're going to, he goes, we'll pay you while you're sitting out. He goes, it's probably only going to be a week or two. And so I called my attorney. I said, can I trust this guy? He just said he's going to pay, pay me without playing. <clears throat> and he said, take him at his word. So I did. I go find a house, find a hockey team for my boys. Uh, first week goes by. I call in on Friday for my check. I get the runaround. So I'm thinking, okay, it's probably just first week jitter. So second week goes by, call in on Friday, get the runaround again. Seven goddamn weeks I'm sitting in Cleveland doing nothing, working out at the Gold's gym. Uh, got to play a lot at Firestone. That was nice. But, uh, yeah, so they finally, <clears throat> they finally, because uh, uh, Belichick told me to my face, he says, Mr. Modell knows about this. And he goes, we're going to take care of you. I said, okay. <clears throat> so they finally signed me back. I think it was week eight. I dress the next three games. I get those checks. And it just so happens the 10th week we're playing uh, the Green Bay Packers in Cleveland. And Andy Reid is now the head coach of uh, Kansas City. He's on the Green Bay staff. And Andy was my left tackle in college. I've known his big ass for a long time. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're playing catch on the 50-yard line during the pregame. I'm in my Cleveland stuff. He's in his Green Bay stuff. And he's going, hey, you should have came here this year. We got a good team. I said, I know. I hate it here. I hate that little prick over there. I pointed at Belichick. <laughs> and I said, but don't be surprised if I'm, I'm available soon, right? And he says, what? I said, just check the waiver wire. So the very next day, I'm in the quarterback meeting watching the game film. And I get up to go to the restroom. And here comes the general manager who's been giving me the runaround all this time. And I corner him. I said, look, I... I need my money. I said, you know, my wife just got in a wreck. I don't want to deal with insurance. 
I need my cash. And like a little smart ass, he says, well, maybe we'll pay you. Maybe we won't. And I, I lost it, man. I, I grabbed him by his throat and I started banging his head on the wall. I'm going to, you're going to pay me my money, you know? And then I realized what I'm doing. So I looked around to see, if, you know, this is before cameras are everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no camera. So I whack his ass one more time. He slides down the wall. I walk into the training room, call my attorney. I said, get me cut right now. And he's like, what happened? I said, get me cut right now. So he goes, all right, where are you? I said, train your room. Here's the number. So he calls me back within two minutes and says, okay, if you want to be released, I'll release you. I said, perfect. So now I walk back into the QB meeting and uh, I just said, hey, boys, I'll see you all later. And they're like, what, where are you going? I said, my ass is out of here. And the uh, QB coach, I can't remember his name, says, oh, have you talked to Bill? I said, you can tell Bill to kiss my ass, that lying son of a bitch. I'm gone. <laughs> And uh, I left the very next day. I was up in Green Bay. And we ended up losing the NFC Championship game that year. I stick around one more, we end, and, and we won the Super Bowl. So I said, all right, I got a ring from the two oldest teams in the league. I can quit now. Isn't it bullshit you didn't get to play in Super Bowl 31 because the Packers were up? Why didn't they let you come in and just kneel down or something? No. Mike asked me, he goes, you want to go in? I said, no. I said, I'm not mopping up. I said, I played in this game when it meant something. I'm not going to mop up for your boy. I said, put Doug, Doug Peterson was on our team. I said, put Doug Peterson in. He'll, you know, he's a rookie. He'll love that. Mm. I said, I'm not going to go, you know, ruin my already poor rushing average. <laughs> by kneeling Sir, down. They did offer that to you then. Yeah. Yeah. He asked about. Okay, good. Good. At least I, I was like, man, the Packers should show him some respect. Let Jim go in and play a series. You know, did, did the Browns ever pay you your money? No, no, never got it. Fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> but who's the league going to believe? You know, the guru, Belichick, or me? You know, the mm. guy that wore a headband. How, how much of those stories about Belichick cheating and, so, and stuff do you believe? Do you think that? All of them. All of them. <laughs> That's a soundbite. I love all it. All of them. Do you think that his legacy should be tarnished because of, uh, of the stuff that he's done that, to break rules? Uh, I mean, he is, he's a hell of a coach, but I mean, you know, when you, you put that much time in and you do all that and you do those extracurricular stuff that he's, uh, I'm sure that he's done. Mm -hmm. uh, he might've been the one taking the air out of the ball. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but nothing really, nothing happens on his team without him knowing it. So, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. A couple more questions here from people in the chat room. Cliff Victoria wants to know uh, about that game uh, against the Vikings in 85 when you came out and threw two touchdown passes with the first two passes you threw. Can you uh, recall just the feeling that you went through coming in? Because you were t you were asked, you told Ditka, I can play, I can start. You know, and for some reason he didn't he didn't want you to play uh, to start the game. Can you recall that for us? Well, yeah, I'd been in traction for two days um, from the previous week. My neck and my shoulder was bothering me, and and I had an infection. I had a turf burn that I got in week one, and those things just last all season long. They rip every game. And so my uh, calf was about the size of my thigh. So I had a bad infection in my leg, and, and Dicka had a rule. It only applied to me, though. He said, if you don't practice, you don't play. You know, defensive guys never practice, but he'd say, hell with him. You you play when I tell you. And so, you know, um, 
the Monday night crew was there at practice. We practiced on Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon. And the, uh, the Monday night crew was there. And Joe, uh, Joe Willie Namath was my hero growing up. I said, I'm going to go sit and watch. You know, he already told me I'm not playing. So what the hell should I go watch? I'm going to watch practice anyway. I don't need to be in a huddle. So I sat in the little stands and watched practice with those guys. And that pissed him off even more, I guess. And so uh, when we get to Minnesota, we're having a team meeting that night. And I'm like, all right, he told me I'm not playing. I'm going to sit up here, keep my leg elevated, ice my leg. And uh, one of the coaches came up and said, hey, Mike's pissed. You're not at the meeting. I said, why do I have to be there? I'm not playing, he said. And so I go down. He chews my ass out. And so next day, wake up. It's funny what adrenaline does to you on game day. I mean, you, you just start, you know, you're – you don't feel that much pain anyway. And then I had a shitload of muscle relaxers and painkillers as well. So I wasn't feeling a damn thing when I got in the game. But when I got to the stadium, I, you know, I got dressed, went out on the field and started throwing the ball. And I'm like, damn, I'm, I was throwing it pretty good. I'm not feeling any pain. And I said, Mike, I can play. If you need me, I can play. He says, you're not playing. Get out of here. <coughs> and so that's, that's what happened. So the rest of the first half, I just was in his ear, bugging the hell out of him. Because we were both two and zero at the time, you know that's a big swing. If you you know, a, a division game, and <laughs> we could never beat Minnesota up there until the, actually the prior year, Steve Fuller beat him up there. But uh, you know, I just kept bugging them and bugging them, and I I just I saw our team was not the same team that had played the first two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. we just nothing was happening defensively. We weren't playing very well. Offensively, we weren't pl- doing anything. Steve wasn't playing bad. We just weren't doing anything. And uh, I just kept saying, Mike, you better put me in. We're going to lose this damn game. And to this day, I know the only reason he put me in is because he was sick and tired of me in his face. (laughs) You know, Jim, uh, Dan and I are both big fans of that Lakers TV show that's on uh, HBO. And do you think that the 85 Bears and that era of the Bears would make a good uh, TV show? Because I got to believe that with all the characters, all of the stories, you know, you flashing your butt at the side. It would only last one season, though. You really <laughs> won once. That's true. But you know what? It'd have to be like the 24-hour show, you know, a whole season for one game. But you know what? I think I think there's a lot of great story elements in what happened, you know, the following year. It's kind of like a rise and fall uh, story. Everybody expected you guys to win two, three Super Bowls. And what happened? You know, why did this team not fulfill that promise? Well, I think we got tired. Well, 86, we had the best, you know, we had a hell of a chance in 86. We were 14 and 2. Right. You know, a lot of people forget. I said, no, the next three years, we had home field advantage throughout the playoffs, the next three years. And we didn't we didn't take advantage of that. And I think we got tired. We weren't the same team after 86 either. You know, we lost uh, Wilbur, uh, Willie. Um, uh, I don't know who else, but we just weren't we weren't the same uh, dominating team that we were in, in 85 and 86, mm. especially in 87 and 88. But we did have home field advantage. And we, you know, like I said, we got there and just didn't play well at home. It's not the like Wilbur, the other sports the that have a seven-game series. Terrible. Don't you agree? What's that? You could have re-signed Wilbur. That would have helped a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's the way it goes. They didn't want do to pay anybody. Do you ever watch any of the old games anymore? Like, do you, do you, do you, do, are you bored from watching the old stuff, too? Like, you ever show your kids or? 
Uh, my son does most of my social media, and people send him stuff all the time. And he he likes to see that stuff because he wasn't even born yet. Oh, you know, he wasn't born to he wasn't born till ninety one. So he got to he got to experience a little bit of you know with the Packers, but he doesn't remember much other than that. And uh, you know, I only had my my two oldest were only one and a half and or two and one at the time, so they don't really remember a whole lot. I think he, as a Bears fan, the highlight of all of that was probably winning the championship game against the Rams at Soldier Field, even more so than the Super Bowl because just at home and the crowd loving it. And yeah, know, that's that's why you play for home field advantage, that type of advantage. And we just right. the rest of the time we just laid an egg. What's the most disappointing uh, aspect of your career that you wish, man, I wish I could have that moment back? Uh, probably 86. I wish I could have got a, a proper diagnosis. Mm. I could have got surgery, you know, the week number two. And then, you know, I could have at least started the next season easily. But, you know, I, I waited. I, you know, I went through all that bullshit and then uh, – you know, I'm lucky to, to come back when I did. They still put me on IR at the beginning of, of 87. I missed the first seven games. Uh, they just felt that it wasn't quite as strong as, as it should have been, and, and it wasn't. I mean, hell, when I came back, it was like a noodle. I couldn't throw anything. <clears throat> but, you know, it get, gradually got stronger. By the time I, I retired, hell, I was throwing as good as I ever throw. You know, mm. I have ever thrown the ball. But, you know, I hadn't been hitting a couple of years either. That helps. <laughs> You know, in that Washington playoff game, the Doug Williams game, you you had a pulled hamstring too, right? If you can you recall that? I don't recall that. That fourteen nothing game that you all were winning and then lost. Yeah, all I remember is my left my left shoulder still hurts to this day because of that damn hit. Yeah, that see that if there was ever a slap like we and Aldo were talking about this the other day, a snapshot of how much the team loved you when you're down there. I don't even know if you remember. But your lineman, specifically Hilgenberg, drops to his knees to look you in your eyes and pick you up there and, you know, celebrate. I mean, they, those guys loved you. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I yeah, love they were great. They were great. They didn't they don't get the credit that they they deserve. You know, Jimbo Jimbo finally got in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my opinion, Keith Van Horn should be in there, Jay Hilgenberg should be in there, and even Mark Bortz. Mark Bortz, they, he was a defensive lineman when they drafted him. And he turned into one hell of an offensive guard. You know, he had that defensive guy mentality. And that's what—that's the kind of stuff you need. But uh, yeah, I—they—we led the league in rushing four years in a row, which had never been done, and it's never been done since. And that's—that's that's a credit to those guys because everybody knew we we're going to run the damn thing, and we still ran it. I mean, that's—that's that's good offensive line play. Yeah. Have you seen Mongo lately? Uh, I'm going to see him Thursday. Keith Van Horn and I actually are going to go up. Uh, Keith's going to pick me up after my first rehab session. We're going to go spend a couple hours, and uh, and I got to get back for session number two. That's a guy that needs to be in the Hall of Fame too, not just because of his current status, his statistics. Back, oh yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's got more sacks than any interior lineman, doesn't he? Yeah, or close to yeah. it. And I got the guy you. looks so. I mean, like I could cry just seeing him. Uh, you know? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, that's a bad bad disease. Yeah, uh, and I just want to say, you know, there's tons of comments in our chat room, and a lot of people are are, are asking about Mongo and and so forth. So, if on our behalf, if you could please give uh, Steve 
our best wishes and how much he means to Chicago Bears fans and Chicago fans. Uh, tell him that you know that we're we're all pulling for him and praying, and uh, and it's just uh, awful to see him in that state. But uh, he's a fighter, and every, every day he's with us is a blessing. No doubt about it, man. One of one of my best teammates ever. He was just a just a hard nosed guy, man. Played the game tough. That's what he's supposed to be. Yeah, me. Wilbur's hurt too, right? Because I I read that Wilbur won't even come out in public. Really, he's ashamed of having to to limp, and I read that he said he wished he had never played and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, well, a lot of guys are hurting. I know Horns in in a bad way as well. He's you know his neck and back, and you know Lyman Lyman they don't get a lot of uh, coverage, but they're the guys that are, are suffer the most when they're done. Yeah, sad. You know, of all of all the you know, like, you did the Super Bowl shuffle. You did all these great posters and stuff. It, do you have a favorite uh, promotional thing that you did? Was the Super Bowl shuffle the 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 most exciting thing? Somebody in the chat room said that you did. You filmed that right after the loss to Miami in '85. But a, a, any of those memorabilia things that you kind of hold special to your heart? Well, actually, the, the posters that I got to do with the uh, Costacos brothers those were, those were a lot of fun. The, the uh, the Mad Mac one, the Grid Warrior. Oh yeah. Then I was with that little little bear cub, and then I did uh, you know the Chicago Vice and uh, the Art of Rebellion, or so. I did four or five of those posters. That, that was a good time, and they're coming back. Actually, I'm doing this documentary, and and when that comes out, they're going to re release the posters too. I guess so. Hopefully, they'll uh, get a little play. Excellent. What What is the schedule on that documentary? Because I had read about that. Do you know when the release date is? No, I actually talked to uh, CJ, the producer, or texted him last week. Uh, he still has a couple more people to uh, interview. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of my military buddies. I think the second half of that. I've seen the first half of it. It's mostly just uh, you know from the time I was a little kid up to the Super Bowl. And I think that the rest of it's going to be what happened after football. So I do a lot of stuff with our military. So I, I told him to make sure he's, he talks to a couple of these guys that I see a lot. Got to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people in the chat room are talking about, you know, the, the I own you thing that he said to the Chicago Bears. Dan and I hate the <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Uh, what are your thoughts about Aaron Rodgers and that quirky guy? I don't really know Aaron. You know, I, I've met him. Uh, he's a hell of a football player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't. True. I don't know him. I don't know him personally, really. So, I don't really know what's going on with him and the Packers. So, who knows if he'll come back there? Yeah, I think he's coming back. He signed a big fat contract, but uh, it was announced today that he's not. Despite the fact he signed this big contract, he's not going to uh, the voluntary workouts, which I thought was kind of weird. But you know, hey, uh, that's his decision, not mine. Yeah, well, that's why they say it. they're voluntary. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think he really needs to be throwing the ball in the Don Hudson Center in the wintertime. So <laughs> he throws it pretty well anyway. Yeah, the Packers. That's an example of why, uh, as a Bears fan, why I loved you so much is because when the Bears played Green Bay, then we could win. I don't know if you remember, but one yeah, only lost to him once, I think, in the seven years. So. Do you remember the game to close the year? You got Bart Starr fired. Because the Packers were going to make the playoffs if they just beat the lowly Bears. It was really cold. It was like two degrees at Soldier Field. Last game of the season, 
and you threw a pass to Emory Moorhead to set up the field goal to, to knock Green Bay out in 83. Uh -huh. Yeah, I don't remember that, but uh, sorry about that, yeah, Bart. Bart Starr was their coach, and he got fired after you, uh, you led the comeback. That's too and bad because then they got Forrest Gregg, yeah. <laughs> Somebody uh, just asked about uh, what your feeling is about uh, – this is from Jeremy. He asked, what are your feelings about the rule changes in NEFL to uh, protect quarterbacks? Do you agree with them, or do you think that the game should be played the way it was uh, back in your era? Well, I think, you know, a late hit's a late hit. Well, late nowadays is, is just if you get touched, that's a late hit, I guess. But back back then, they could take two or three steps and still whack you in the head. And, you know, they could hit you low. They could hit you high. Nowadays, they can't even go low. You know, a guy, if a guy falls down and grabs you by the leg, he's going to get a flag because you, you can't hit him below the knee, I guess. I don't I don't understand some of it. It'd be nice to be able to step into every throw knowing you're not going to get drilled in the knees. Dan and I talked about this. If you were playing in this era, you probably would, you know, and, and under the right system that would allow you to be who you are as a quarterback, you would throw for 5,000 yards every fucking season. I mean, and, and, and that's not hyperbole. That's not wishful thinking. It's just anyone that knows the game, knows that you would have – tore this league apart in a league that protects quarterbacks the way they do in a league that allows wide receivers to go untouched after five yards in a league that has really just transformed itself itself into a quarterback league. And I don't have to tell you how much money you'd be making. You'd be making $40 million a year right now. Yeah, so nice. <laughs> the bears wouldn't pay me one. So they traded me. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. <laughs> Who was hey, the guy? Let me ask you one more question. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, speaking of cheap shots and injuries, was that a cheap shot? On Do you remember the hit in New England in 88? It was your last start as a bear in the regular season. I always thought that looked like a dirty hit on you. Uh, the one I hurt my Golden knee. On. Stadium. Do you remember that one? I think I hurt my knee on that one. I I thought that it looked like the they took some liberties with you on that play, though. I thought I thought so, too, but I after watching it again, because I thought somebody grabbed my leg and yanked on it when he was getting up out of the pile. But uh, and he actually just drilled the hell out of my knee, and, and uh, I don't know what what I tore, but, yeah, it wasn't too good after that. <laughs> yeah, and that Flutie was playing for New England that day, too, so it was even worse. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim, you've been very generous with your time here and uh, taking us down uh, memory lane. And I'll tell you, man, we would love to see more of you uh, on shows and, and, and to talk. You've got a great personality. I love the fuck the fact that you say fuck the establishment. You know, <laughs> we, we need more guys like you to tell it like it is. And uh, everything is so washed down nowadays. Uh -huh. And you uh, got to be a yes man now. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. I wouldn't do well in today's uh, society with this social media bullshit and everything mm -hmm. else. <laughs> Who would you like to say fuck you to right now? Go ahead and say fuck you, you know. Uh, <laughs> Charles Martin. <laughs> Go ahead. No, he's, he's rest in peace. He's, oh, yeah, he's long right. gone. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Say, say uh, fuck you to somebody. I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'll, shit, I've, been, <laughs> I've been out of this league for 20, what is it, 26 years now. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't have, I don't have any other, than, other than them flat out denying me in that lawsuit yeah. about the uh, concussion deal. 
they shouldn't have even called it the concussion lawsuit. It had nothing to do with concussions. Because unless you got ALS like Steve has or mm-hmm. dementia, uh, Parkinson's, I think there was one or two other things. You have to have that. And they, they told me I had early de- de- uh, dementia 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if I've made a miraculous recovery or, or the people that uh, tested me don't know what the hell they're doing either. <laughs> now, a lot of people have been asking in the chat room about how uh, how are you feeling? And uh, like Laz, for instance, uh, he's interested in the progress that you've made with the headaches and the neck issues that you've had. How, how are you feeling? Uh, it's it's about time to go back to New York. It's probably been about four months. I usually go every three to four months when I start having headaches and uh, I start forgetting a lot of shit, then I know it's time to go. So at least I know what's going on with me. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys that are taking their lives, they, they, they don't know. I mean, Dave Dorson, good example. I talked to, I was with Dave probably a month or two before all that happened. And I would have never guessed that was going on. I, and I couldn't believe when he did it. I said, how can you do that to yourself? But then I was having the same thoughts that he was having and my head hurt so bad. I just didn't, I was laying in a dark room for weeks at a time because if I didn't have a function, I, I didn't come out of my room. And uh, luckily these guys found me, these guys in New York said, Hey, come here. We think we know what's going on. <laughs> it's definitely not a cure all, but it, at least I can function when I'm, when I'm properly aligned, properly aligned. And so, uh, my only other option is to drill a hole in my brain and, and run a shunt down, you know, a tube down from my brain to my stomach. And I'm not going to deal with that. So yeah. I can deal with the, you know, once I start having headaches, that's when I get, I call them up, say, doc, when can I meet you in Albany? Boom, fly in, fly out. And, and uh, I'm good for the next three months. Well, I got to tell you, you know, people in the chat room are telling me to tell you something that I was going to tell you anyway. Thank you. Thank you for giving us so much entertainment as a Chicago Bear. Thank you for what you did on and on the field uh, and being the type of guy that you were. You 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 stood up for a generation of people who wanted to say fuck you to uh, the, the people who run things. Because you you guys have fucked this up so royally. I'm here. I'm going to do it my way. And if you don't like it. Fuck you. And by the way, there's a guy uh, who's a Detroit Lions fan. I want you to say, fuck the Detroit Lions. <laughs> because well, the they got enough problems. Right? Yeah, they do. <laughs> well, at, least, at least Stafford got out of there and he wins the Super Bowl. So. Can you believe that? I mean, can you effing believe that? Well, I mean, that kid's a good player. I mean, I, he really is. He was, he was stuck on a bad team. It's just unfortunate. Yep. Yeah. And so what he, happens when you're that good, you get drafted by teams that are shitty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you got any uh, final questions for uh I just want to tell them, man. See, I grew up in West Virginia. So hey, I got a good buddy of mine in West Virginia, Buck Hannon, West Virginia. Yeah, that's that's pretty close for uh, to here, actually. Um, to where I am. But I was just gonna say the uh it was you it was the reason I became a Bears fan because of your spots and just you're in Taco Bell and scooters and all that shit and all that as a kid i didn't know i was like who's that guy that, that, that's my guy right there jim mcmahon you know, that's jim McMahon. well who's he play for he plays for okay well i'm a bears fan too so i've been in misery for the last 35 years because of you sir <laughs> i'm joking but i became a bears fan because of you and they've sucked a long time since you uh but the point is i stuck with them and it was because of you so i i thank you for every all my childhood memories man I gave it all I had. 
I certainly appreciate you. You sure well, thank did. you. You 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 showed it on the field, man. I, sometimes I gotta, I gotta tell you, uh, Jim. Sometimes I would get worried that you were headbutting with Keith Van Horn and some of these guys. I'm saying to myself, "What's he doing? He's gonna hurt himself." It's bad enough that he's got these 300 pound defenders coming at him, and then he's he's over here scoring touchdowns and headbutting with his teammates. Does that ever hurt? No, no. One time, uh, my roommate Kurt Becker and I, I said, I, I told him, I said, if "We score tomorrow. I'm gonna knock you out." And so he was ready for me, and he hit me as hard as probably I've ever been hitting the pros after we scored. So, uh, yeah, that was a bad move on my part. <laughs> but I'd hit him with, my like, my forehead. Try to hit him with my forehead. You don't want to hit him with the top of your head. That's when you cause the neck problems. For sure, man. You're the best, Jim McMahon. Uh, we love you, and uh, please uh, give Mongo our love when you see him later this week. And uh, you got a home here at the bar room anytime you want to come on and uh, talk, uh, uh, yell at politicians, uh, yell at uh, whoever the hell you want. This is the place <laughs> to do it, okay? All right, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right. Take care, brother. All right. We'll see you. Dan Aguirre, what do you think, man? I hope I didn't let anybody down, you know, at the interview. I don't think you did. I thought you I awesome. never really uh, got into a, in a, a proper fluidity with him. But again, in my, I, I can't even see where I'm working, but mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, I'm still a little starstruck even just hearing his voice. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if I performed as well as I could have, is what I'm saying. But it was great <laughs> to have the opportunity to talk with him, though. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. I, I knew you were going to say you did great. The people in the chat room are applauding you. They're, the only guy that is complaining is Don Burr. He's from Detroit. He wants to he, he wants to know why we're still talking about the '85 Bears. And my reply to him was 1957. It was, it was when the Lions yeah. won the championship. 19, was there, Bobby Lane? Bobby Lane. <laughs> yeah, were there TVs in 1957? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that Eisenhower was, was present last time they won a fucking playoff. Well, no, that's right. Eric Kramer won the one playoff game. Let's not forget that. Oh, that's right. Our buddy Eric Kramer. We're gonna have him back pretty soon. Who else is now on your list of guys? We've checked off Eric Kramer, but we'll have him back. We well, we checked off Jim McMahon. We'd love to have him back. Who else now do you want to interview? Uh, the coach will be very, very difficult because. Uh, How about Wani then? We could get Wani. Oh, uh, that's the guy. That's the guy. Wani. Now, a lot of people are wondering why Wani. Tell, tell people why you want to talk to Wani. For one, the Bears played hard for Dave Wanstead. And early on, early on, we won a playoff game on the road in the Metrodome in the second round against Minnesota the next year, you know. Kramer has the great year. It's fun. It's fun watching the teams. They they every game they lose is just barely by a couple, except for one blowout. Then the next year, Kramer breaks his neck and it goes down from hill from there because they trade for Rick Meyer. I mean, so that's a lot of things you could talk about. Like, yeah. what would have happened if Eric didn't break his neck and you weren't saddled with Rick Meyer? You know, what if Rick Meyer actually would have come over and fucking played well? Like you were this close, you're a couple of games from the Super Bowl in 94. But again, amongst all that losing, they were still playing hard. Mm -hmm. There was never any of these moments that Matt Nagy had, like where it looked like the team just didn't give a shit about him and took the first half off. Mm. You go back and watch those Wani games, man. Even if they didn't have talent, the Bears played tough. 
That's I I love that. I'll never forget. I was in a bar watching the game with a buddy of mine, and the Bears are losing, and he's fuck wanting this, fuck wanting that. And I got really pissed off at him, and I said, you know what? This team is fucking playing hard for him. Have you ever maybe considered the fact that the talent isn't there, or the, anything other than it's not Wani's fault? Uh, because yeah, maybe he made some strategic mistakes with uh, the schemes and stuff like that, but. He he, his players played hard for him, man. There's no fucking doubt about him. I would love to have Wants that on. And by the way, tons of people in the chat room saying you did a great job. You have such tremendous recall on stuff. Uh, so you're getting lots of applause there. And then also suggestions as to who we should get on. Bear Truth Nine says we need to get Mike Brown on. That would be I love Mike Brown. Fucking awesome. We Mike get- Brown when he cried when he got hurt. In week one in San Diego in 07, mm-hmm. and he cried in the post game because he was out for the year and he knew it. It wasn't official yet, but he knew it. When Mike Brown cried, I cried. Yeah. Do you remember who the Bears drafted in that draft class with Mike Brown? Brian Erlacher. Really? Was it Brian Erlacher? Erlacher was first and Mike Brown was second, right? Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, yeah, I had the wrong answer in my mind. I won't even say who it was because it was way off. Uh, Nomad says, try to get Richard Dent. Oh, uh, I love Dent. How about Wilbur Marshall, man? Will like Jim didn't seem to know, and I hated putting him on the spot on things, but Wilbur, Wilbur's been suffering, and he said that he put on weight, mm-hmm. you know, because he can't exercise and he's embarrassed of his appearance, mm-hmm. and that he, he walks with a limp and he's like he's a shell of who he used to be. So he won't make any appearances like for the 85 Bears or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, and he was asked about, you know, would you, if you had to do it all over, you know, they asked McMahon that, they've asked uh, Mongo that, and they both say, yes, I would mm-hmm. play all over again if I knew. Uh, but when Wilbur was asked that, he said no. Mm-hmm. And he's got two Super Bowl rings, and he said no, it wasn't worth it. If he'd have known how he was going to feel now, he would not have played ever. Oh, so, I'd, I mean, that'd be a great person to talk with. Yeah. It'd be a sad interview, but yeah, I'd love to get him on. I'll see what I can do. Don Burr says, uh, interview a current champ. LOL. Oh, there isn't none. Well, Don, we could interview Matt Stafford, although he's no longer a lion. <laughs> First year out of Detroit, <laughs> and he wins the Super Bowl. That's got to I hurt. don't understand how the Lions fan can like talk smack to us. I just don't get it. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to be funny. Like I said, there are cousins in losing, you know, and it's like at least the Bears can say, Walter Payton just didn't say, fuck it. I've had enough losing with this team. I quit. Mm -hmm. Like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson both did. Mm -hmm. In their primes. Mm -hmm. They both just quit because they hated being in Detroit. All right. Here's a controversial one for you. What if we landed Brian Urlacher? You're I not, mean, you're I would be an respectful Urlacher. and stuff, but I, I wouldn't. I'm not his fanboy I at know. all. Yeah. So would you, I, I would be respectful and, and prefer. I probably should recuse myself. That should be a Mike North interview or something. <laughs> no, I want you to interview Urlacher and ask him about these allegations. <laughs> no, man. Like, they're sensitive. Like, he got a, the woman accused him of child abuse and stuff, yeah. you know? And it's just, yeah. Like, she said he was painting their toes, the boys' kids with, girls toenail polish I don't and purposely that. trying to make him gay i don't believe that well that's what the the baby mama said i don't know i mean like i said no you can you know you can't take the accusations as being true i get that sure you, you gotta give him his day in court so to speak and, and obviously that was so long ago it probably wasn't true because he didn't go to jail for it but or was it i don't know it just it's it's so creepy to me you know just hearing that 
that he was putting pink diapers on the boys and trying to get him to say things like, oh, that's pretty, because he thought it was sadistically funny to fuck with his sexuality. That was what she was claiming. And I thought, God, what what kind of a human being would do that to a child? Yeah. So I, I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. Well, hopefully he hasn't, uh, uh, he didn't do that. But um, if we do get him, um, I'll. Mike uh, North can talk to him. John Buffon. John Buffon. With John Buffon, yeah, then he can. Talk about Doug. By the way, tomorrow is John Buffon's birthday, and we will announce that he is coming back for a sixth year here at the bar room. So, um, happy birthday, Mr. Buffon! Yes, um, he has great energy on air. He does. Oh I'm not lying. Gosh. I mean, I'm not saying that just to be nice. Buffon is good on air. He he certainly is. You still think that he doesn't like you? Yeah, that that won't take away from his presentation, though. He's solid, man. Uh, he likes you, man. I don't know what you. He's solid. He's super solid. I, I like the show with you and uh, and him and, and Gaines. I thought it was good. You know. Yeah. Uh, the, I still think you should lead, though. I told you that off air. I think it'd be better if you were leading and 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 throwing it to John and throwing it to Gaines back and forth. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be a better format. But I mean, we're you know talking inside shit on air, so that's all right. A couple of other names have come up. Johnny Knox would be a great get. Yeah, you know. To me, the silver ghost uh, now would be Cutler. You want to talk to Jay, huh? I don't think he would, but I mean, yeah, he I talks know. to Waddle and Sylvie every now and again, but I just can't imagine. He's got stuff to plug. Yeah, he's gone on some podcasts. But I don't know if, you know, we're like, he's used to being on. I don't know if we're important enough, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm saying like, uh, but maybe I, I would, I man, I love Cutler. So I know so many people didn't. And like I said to McMahon, when when he was down, man, his lineman got on their knees and picked him up. I don't know if they'd have done that for Jay, because mm -hmm. that you know no one seemed to be other than Marshall at times uh, effusive with praise for him. Um, but I, I just think he's the great you know miss with the organization. Like what could have been. Like the guy had the talent to to win it all with us, and it just we blew it, man. Stephen Me says Erlacher is a douchebag. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way about Mr. Brian Erlacher. I, I just can't believe he's in the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. Yeah, you know, and, and Devin Hester didn't get in. And I don't want to, you know, Dan Pompey is a Hall of Fame uh, writer, a, and but I I think it was because. Uh, Dan has so much admiration for Erlacher's play that he's in. He made a very compelling argument. Nobody expected Erlacher to be a first ballot, not in the same year Ray Lewis was going in, because we knew that Ray Lewis was the better linebacker of the two. Sure. Uh, um, Although Ray allegedly killed some people, but that's, <laughs> that's I say allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> the white suit, Ray, where's it at? <laughs> that, that is the bloody suit. That is, you know, I have been in a little bit of a funk lately uh, regarding all of the stuff that people say on social media. Like, for instance, did you see any of that video with Cam Newton, you know, uh, down uh, denigrating women, at least in the clip that was shared on social media? Did you see that at all? I haven't seen it. Is it new? Uh, yeah, it was apparently he was on a, a radio show or a podcast uh, two days ago. And so yesterday 
the video came out and he was saying, you know, what's the perfect woman? And I'm paraphrasing here, so I apologize if I get any anything wrong. But basically, he was saying, you know, a, a woman has to know when to be quiet and let the man lead. And uh-huh. um, and so I didn't listen to the entire interview, so I felt it was unfair for me to blast him for that kind of uh it certainly doesn't sound good exactly exactly and so a lot of people uh for instance there's somebody gosh i'm forgetting who it was somebody who is uh richard hamilton the former nba actor no (laughs) (laughs) i think his name is richard uh hamilton Hamilton, he does an espn basketball show he goes i listened to an entire interview i don't think people should be uh should be talking ill of Cam Newton. And I'm I'm glad that I didn't post anything because again, not I, I, I didn't hear the whole thing. But whoever put that clip out there, if if it was taken out of context, then shame on them. So the reason I was feeling in, in such a, a funk, it's just there's so social media is starting to uh annoy me because so many people are so quick to react to things. And you know, I, I've learned over the last couple of years is somebody says something, I, you know, a lot of times I just want to type out, you know, fuck you. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't do it anymore. I just, I either ignore it or I go do some research on the topic. And then sometimes I'll get information to debate somebody, but then I'll say, what, well, why the hell should I debate this person? They, 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 they said something without doing the proper research before they posted their comment on social media. Why should I engage with that person? Um, yeah, that's a waste of time. Like usually it's politics for me. If I'll post, if anybody listens to the show, they know that I'm a left winger. So if I post something that is in my wheelhouse politically, I'm not posting it as a fuck you to somebody that's following me. That's a right winger. Mm-hmm. I'm not posting it in a like a confrontational, caustic kind of way, but there are a lot of people that take it that way and want to fucking argue and shit as soon as I post something, mm-hmm. especially if I follow them back, then they'll send me, you know, uh, direct messages wanting to to bitch or something about politics, and I'm just not going to waste my time with it. It's not that I'm above them or better than them, but I'm too busy to sit around arguing about politics, and yeah. I don't post shit like that on Facebook because. Where I live, as you know, is a Republican state. So I don't want to alienate people on Facebook because so many of them I, I know in real life that are Republicans. Right. So I use Twitter because so many people on Twitter I don't know, you know, and still people get offended by it. So, yeah, yeah there was a, a, a guy who he actually hasn't been, uh, I haven't seen him in the chat for maybe a year, but he posted something, a political statement on a Mike North thread and called the present administration a clown show and that he would vote for trump in a in a moment and i'm thinking to myself should i reply to that you know and i said to myself you know what i'm not gonna go there um it's it's you know uh, i won't even go into it here i just feel like some people and then he started the comment by saying i don't follow politics but you know, the president administration is a clown show. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't follow politics, so why should I take your comment seriously? Uh, in any case, uh, enough about that. 
Stephen Mee, uh, Stephen Mee says, Dan Aguirre is a left winger? LOL. West Virginia left wing <laughs> seems like a really right wing. Yeah, I mean, that's been one of the interesting parts of Dan Aguirre's uh, life is he lives in a red state uh, and he's he's pretty blue guy. Yeah, I, I don't. People that know me know that. But like, and, and full disclosure, I voted for Biden, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't put a Biden sign in my yard mm-hmm. or on my vehicle because someone would, would damage my vehicle, flatten my tires or egg my house. Who knows? Set it on fire. Yeah. Like these Trump people are passionate about him and not every Trump person is mm-hmm. like to the point where they would do damage. I don't want to, you know, besmirch or, you know, broad brush, broad brush paint someone, you know, but. There are a lot of people that are so passionate on his side. If they saw like a Biden sticker or something, they would do damage to your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, you got to kind of be a Democrat in the club. Being a Democrat in West Virginia now is like being uh, uh, being a gay man in the 80s. You know, you had to be in the closet uh, because people would say you had AIDS and you were spreading AIDS and all this, you know, these terrible things that people were saying about gay people back in those days. And you almost had to be in the closet socially. And it's kind of, I mean, maybe that's too harsh of a comparison, but because that's people's lives, but you get the point. You, you, you don't want confrontation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a few more names uh, that have come as suggestions for guests, Thomas Jones. We had him on a hundred proof uh, once. And uh, boy, uh, the story that he shared about the Super Bowl and the fact that he was taken out of the game, right after a big run and they were platooning guys uh he was on bears hour live too he was on bears hour live and and i think on one other show a third time but maybe i'm wrong in any case i yeah i I actually reached out to him uh and so i'm hoping that he will respond because i'd love to talk to him again yeah i'd love to talk to him too he's interacted with me on twitter a few times oh cool because his local his high school here's local for me oh is that right yeah, the cool thing is, again, they were the Powell Valley Vikings, mm-hmm. and they consolidated with another school and became the Bears because of Thomas. Mm. So they're the Union Bears now. Stephen Mee says, you'd never get Thomas Jones. He's highly weird now. No, I, I disagree, Stephen. When we had him on, he had just uh, released – uh, uh, a film, the one where he plays a MMA fighter. I, I think it's an MMA fighter. Um, and he ha- and he was on the Marvel uh, series. Uh, so I, I think if anything, he wants to come on and promote, you know, his projects and stuff. So, but anyways, we'll see. Here's How about a- Anthony Thomas? Anthony the A Train. Oh man, uh, put him at the top of the list. Or Brad Muster or Neil Anderson. Neil Anderson has come up. Uh, Brad Muster has not come up, but isn't he like um, a, a successful businessman now, Brad Muster? I don't know anything about him. It's it's weird. The year he left, he went to New Orleans as a free agent, and then we signed Ironhead Hayward as a free agent from New Orleans, but those were coincidental moves. Mm-hmm. Now, on paper, it would look like a trade. Mm-hmm. Jerry Azuma, what do you think about that? Zoom was good on TV on that show, man. The uh, the post game on CS or CSN now it was NBC Sports or no Comcast back then. Yeah, Comcast Sports Chicago. He was solid on there. Yeah. Um, here's one that I would love to get. Uh, and he was on the Mike North Advantage show. I could probably ask Mike Ed Obradovich. Ed, if he doesn't like you, would be like uh, Greg. He might yell at us. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm ready, man. I'm ready to get you. The only at thing my... is we could get Ed yelling about Matt Nagy. That would be great. <laughs> Ed O'Brien. <Idiot>! Is... <laughs> yeah, he is awesome. Where, do I have that sound bite? Oh, you God, morons. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it, Andy. Anyway, um, he um, – I caught him towards the tail end of his career in the 60s. So I didn't get to see him play at his best, like when the 1963 NFL Bears championship. But, you know, I, it, just like you, Dan, I'm, I'm a big fan of NFL films. And there's this one soundbite. I wish I had it handy so I could play right now. But, you know, he's got this – great deep voice Ed Obradovich and in this NFL films thing he starts talking about what it was like playing in that era uh, uh, the 50s and 60s and he says something like god damn it we were men back then we were men yeah. and I, I just I, immediately I fell in love with the guy I said okay this this is a bear and I went back and I tried to find as ma many old clips and stuff of him uh, as I could and I'm just a big Ed Obradovich fan, and I love his uh, WGM uh, uh, postgame show. I like him and Hampton. Yeah. Boy, it wouldn't it be great if we could get both of them on? That would be great because that was one of the suggestions in the chat room to get them both on. Did you I, hear what Jim said and asked him, like, why would Dan? He's like, who gives a shit or whatever. <laughs> like, he, just, he just doesn't care when people don't like him or whatever. He has just does not care. Yep. I wish I was the same way. Yeah. Yeah, you you should be that. You know what? Um, I better not. Jay Cutler was the same way. Mm -hmm. Don't care. Don't They're, fucking care. You don't like me? Fucking blow me, man. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who told who told me that he was diagnosed with a disorder where he wants to make people happy all the time, and if they're not happy, then he gets depressed and he gets anxious and stuff like that. You might have that, Dan. I well, I don't want to. It almost sounds like I'm giving myself praise if I say that, but. I, no, I mean, no, it's not. It's actually that seems like it's possible because I do hate it if someone's upset with me or something, you know. Mm -hmm. Especially if I feel like it's a misunderstanding, like I, it just it'll ruin my week, you know. <laughs> if I feel like I'm pissing people off, you know, I, I don't like to be caustic with anybody. I don't want to argue with anybody. Mm -hmm. It's not because I won't or can't or I'm afraid. It's just that's not my natural disposition. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that you can. Fuck you! I was so mad at that guy because, again, I just I feel like it's marginalizing me just because I'm white to say that I can't empathize with other minorities and stuff, man. I, but I don't want to talk about that. No, we, uh, a lot of the shows that we've been watching have been doing that too. I was thinking, like, you had the thing with Bomani Jones, which I don't really want to talk about. The Kareem the Kareem segment in the week before, like, I don't want to play in front of white people. Mm -hmm. And then the movie we watched that you sent me so kindly, uh, there were so many of the anti gringo, you know, stuff in that, which again, I don't take personally mm -hmm. because for a lot of, I can understand the viewpoint from, from a lot of instances, but I just, I hate that in so many ways that people will just group me in with everybody, like, you know, whether it be the Nazis or, all these atrocities that white people have committed that I have nothing to do with. And it's like, I'm, I'm on that team and I hate that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's the worst feeling in the world. The, the people just assume because you're white, you're this or you're that or whatever. And usually it's wrong, whatever they assume. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
I want to I want to talk about that movie that I sent you. It's called Perdita Durango. It also has. I'm glad another, you said it. I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> it also has another title. It was it was released in the United States under the name uh, Dance with the Devil. It's a 1997 action crime horror film directed by some guy I've never heard of before, Alex de Iglesia. How can you describe the plot? Because you saw it much more recently than I did. I saw it when it yeah, was first it released. You saw it today. I saw it when it was released back in the 90s, late 90s. Uh, tell people about it. I've never heard of it. That's the thing. It's like a hidden gem. Like, it's got James Gandolfini. If you're a Sopranos fan or a fan of True Romance, he had such a great character in that, too. Mm-hmm. And then I like I love Javier Bardem. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> pardon me. He plays in a lot of movies that I don't like, but I do like him. Mm-hmm. So I, I naturally like him and uh, Rosie Perez since white man can't jump, man, come on. Mm-hmm. So you got a good cast and essentially they meet early on in the film and they're both attracted to each other being Rosie and Javier because they don't give a fuck and don't care to break the law or take drugs or steal or whatever. But you start seeing through flashbacks like he, he owes somebody money. He's recently robbed a bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he turns on his partner and then they just laugh and like, let's, let's get some hostages. Let's get some white hostages. And then they both basically rape them. Like, uh, she starts to fuck the boy. He fucks the girl. And along the way, there's all these plots twists because he's got, he's talked in, in stories about how close he is with his cousin. Mm-hmm. And then like a half hour in, you meet his cousin, his cousin wants him in on uh, you know, a drug deal or actually a deal for fetuses. Mm-hmm. They're going to take fetuses and somehow use that to turn that into cream to help rich people, you know, with their wrinkles or something. It's not as far fetched as I make it sound. And they actually say that the Nazis had an, you know, an atrocity with, with uh, something similar. So God, I'm rambling, but the, it just, it does kind of meander all over the place, but it, it's, and James Gandolfini is the policeman. He's the DEA agent trying to catch them. Mm-hmm. And along the way, they're carrying the two white people uh, as hostages. I, I don't know. Jump in, man. I feel like I'm... No, I'm I, I, I actually well have uh, the trailer playing as you're describing it. Uh, <laughs> and it's the R-rated trailer. I just saw some woman's breasts. And uh, Rosie Perez, I, I don't even want to describe the plot because it is all over the place. And it's the type of movie that you... I don't think it's a movie that you watch, you know, to see the plot. You watch it because it's so fucking outrageous. Because the imagery, because uh, the... Uh, the occult aspects of it uh, because Javier Bardem is such a fucking badass because uh, James Gandolfini is so fucking funny in this movie. He gets run over by a car repeatedly uh, over and over again. It's just a strange fucking movie. And I fucking love it. It is great. Uh, I, uh, I really appreciate you sending it to me and I had never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like nobody has ever heard of it. It's, again, called Dance with the Devil, or its original title is Perdita Durango. And guess what? I just, as I was looking for the trailer, the entire movie is available on YouTube. Now, I don't know if it's free. Let's see. It looks like it is. If you go to Hollywood, oh, it's, <laughs> never mind. It's it's dubbed in Hindu. <laughs> 
Oh, God. <laughs> so maybe you don't want to watch it, the Hindu version of it. But look for it if you're into uh, very, very strange, offbeat. Uh, you know, Turner Classic Movies has a thing on Saturday nights, I believe, like at 2 a.m., you know, where they play all of these weird uh uh, you know, like drive-in movies, uh, B-movies, cult movies, and so forth. This movie definitely de- deserves to be in that category. If you're, if you're into that kind of weird shit, uh, give it a shot. Uh, somebody in the uh, chat room said that the uh, cult classic is, uh, Nomad said this, it's JoJo Dancer featuring Richard Pryor. Oh, yeah, that? yeah. I've seen JoJo Dancer. Yeah, I mean, that that basically is the story of his life. It's It's partly autobiographical he grew up in a uh, brothel really richard pryor really did and uh, and by the way the richard pryor is depicted in this uh the lakers series (laughs) that was shitty i thought he sucked did you like him? I thought the guy playing Richard Pryor in the show sucked. He's awful. I can't believe yeah. they cast that guy as him. Yeah, man. His impression was like uh, like Eddie Murphy, like on Raw, did a perfect impression. Mm-hmm. I get you're not going to get Eddie Murphy, but come on, man. Like they got, they managed to get a guy that looks like Magic Johnson and a guy that looks like Michael Cooper. Mm-hmm. You can't find somebody that sounds like Richard Pryor a little bit or can't make himself sound like richard pryor yeah and he, he, God, says, he was horrible and he says nothing funny at all nothing remotely funny you would think no. you know uh, but and richard pryor wasn't racist like they portray him as he's like everything he says and there's anti-white dude was married to multiple white women and allegedly was sucking marlon brando's dick that's coming from his ex-wife so i don't think he was uh anti-white if he's sleeping with white men and white women yeah yeah, that's that's weird. Uh, uh, Stephen Me asked about uh, the Santucci man. Why isn't he here? And as uh, uh, Dan said earlier, he's not feeling well. Uh, Tooch sent us a tweet a couple of hours before showtime saying he's got a bad case of diverticulitis. <laughs> I didn't know what that was, but it sounded bad. And then when he depicted it, it sounded even worse. He says, uh, uh, I'm, it's like having a knife in the lower left abdomen i can't stand up straight he's hunched over like an old man god bless you john john get to the hospital man i know he, he can sometimes be reluctant about uh doing going to the hospital and stuff but you really should go if you're in that kind of pain where you're hunched over uh hopefully you're back with us next week uh tooch and i'll uh, give you a call tomorrow hopefully you're listening in and we've provided some laughs uh, Cliff Victoria says, got to see that prior Brando. Oh, he's got to get that prior Brando image out of his head now. That the whole <laughs> that was from Richard Pryor's ex-wife. I'm not making that up. But have you, you've heard about that, too, right? Oh, yeah. You were the one that told me about it. I looked into okay. it. I said, yeah, this shit is true. <laughs> yeah. Like Showtime's got a, a good documentary called uh, something like Listen, Marlon, Listen. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it, you should see it. Uh, this guy did a bunch of interviews with Marlon, uh, back in the day and I guess he just had them. So they, they go through them years later and make it into a coherent, like almost, you can tell it's like this guy's talked to him for like 24 hours or something Mm -hmm. and they've cut it down to like two hours. And, uh, Marlon says on there things like, he's like, yeah, of course I've sucked. He's like, what's the big deal? I don't give a shit. I consider myself straight because I like women. But who gives a fuck? I've done it. So what? Like he he doesn't mention Richard specifically. Right. I don't think. But, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I, that's to me it was cool that he could just be like, "Fuck you! I don't care what you think." Yeah, that is cool. But I, I gotta say, you know, these guys in that era did 
drugs so much, you know, that they probably engaged in behavior that was outside what they would, you know, what they would do if they were, they were sober. And, and I, I'm not casting aspersions towards homosexual, homosexual behavior, but I, I got to believe that if Richard Pryor is engaging in um, uh, homosexual sex it's probably because he was fucked up on, on crack or something i don't know <laughs> because he was known as quite the woman's man not nah, I, I don't know i'm talking out of my ass yeah I, I, I don't know you know anything about it but it is it is weird to me that um that <laughs> the whole richard Pryor marlon brando thing that is just very strange hey i gotta uh, i gotta get ready to go but i'll tell you real quickly i was reading robbie krieger's book he's the guitar player from the doors yeah I just finished it up. One of the funny things he said in there, and I assume it's true. I mean, he said that in like 67, 68, Jim Morrison caught syphilis. Oh, wow. And he said that uh, Jim was like fascinated by it and like wanted to connect to the, the old world and was going to leave it untreated. He said, this is the way I'm going to go. I'm going to die from syphilis. I'm going to let it make me go crazy. Mm -hmm. And they were like, Jim, you really got to go get this tree. Fuck no. You know, this is how I'm going to die. I like this. I like that. I want people to know I died of syphilis. Mm. And then like four, four days into it, he's like, fuck it. I got to go to the doctor because his dick was burning every time he pissed. Yeah. He's like, he, he was okay with dying, but he was not okay with his fucking dick burning when he's pissing. <laughs> I had a hemorrhoid the other day and it was, that, was, that fucking thing was burning like hell. And I said, shit, man. You know, when you get to my age, you start to uh, contemplate, you know, it, I don't want to fucking die in pain. I, I, you know, I just, I want to die in my sleep, you know, and, and, <laughs> but to die in pain where I'm fucking crying for help and stuff, that, that, I don't want to do that, man. I want to die. With you don't want to die dude. like Dwayne Haskins either, though. <laughs> oh my God. What are the details? He, he was on the he highway. He got hit by a truck. And, and, but he was walking on the highway. Did, do we know why he was walking in, in this uh, highway? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just saw that he got hit by a fucking truck and that was that. A dump truck too. Yeah, like if there were Mortal Kombat, it would say fatality. Yeah. It's over. Uh, just terrible way to go. Yeah. Just horrible, man. man. Yeah. As I go now, not to poor segue, but I, I've got to go to to work. Um, sure. And like I would ask you this later when I'm at 911. I would text you and be like, so what would you think? Like, really, what would you think? Because I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it didn't go as well as I had hoped when I – well, uh, me, me personally, as I leave – I feel like the Eric Kramer one when I left, I was like, man, that was great. This one, I kind of feel like, man, I dropped the ball a little bit. You did not at all drop the ball. Let me tell you what happened because you can't see. You don't have access to video. It looked to me like Jim had just woken up uh, because he was rubbing his eyes a lot and stuff. And so I think he was he, – he, it took him a little while to get into the interview. That's – I'm speculating here, but he was great. You were great. Lots of – and lots of <laughs> – keep living. Although, thank you, no man. Um, lots and lots of praise coming uh, from the chat room. So uh, uh, tr trust me on this. You were great. Right. Jim was great. It was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we got the good Belichick story out of him. Oh my gosh. That was, I, I actually uh, put a star on that. I'm going to see if I can make an ad out of that because that was a fucking great story. <laughs> and I did yeah. not know that at all, uh, Dan. So I'm glad you did. And we were able to get it out of him. Yeah. I triggered him by saying Bill Belichick's a goddamn liar, right? Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that I'd heard him say Bill Belichick's a damn liar. I've heard him say that before somewhere. So 
Yeah. Uh, Cliff Victoria says, Jim seemed to be okay with the interview. He's, he has been much worse in some of the other interviews that he's seen. So there you go. And uh, Jordan says, uh, Dan, I'm dead serious. It was fantastic. Relax. It went well. Thank you all. Thank everybody. I appreciate you all. Uh, as I go, because I got to go, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I could talk another three hours. Another name we could potentially get, uh, because he's been with Mike uh, North, is Tom Zach. Oh, Mike T. That's right. I forgot we had him on. That's right. Yeah, that was a great interview with Tom Zach. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, and he's on Twitter. And he's on Twitter too. Oh my God. So is Harbaugh, but I don't think he's going to talk to us. Yeah. You know, I, I shouldn't get into it because you got to leave. But uh, drive safely, get over to your job, and uh, uh, say, go save some lives, brother. All right, man. Be well. Thank uh, you. All right, man. Uh, stick around here. I'm going to talk a little bit about other stuff that's going on in the bar room. Um, let's see. Tomorrow is Wednesday. We got bar down hockey talk. You guys, it, I know some of you, a lot of you guys don't listen to hockey, but stop by and, and take a listen to a little bit of that show, especially when the show starts at 2 p.m. Central. The guys are so funny and they, they talk off the wall stuff and then you know the the show bar down hockey talk is divided in, into three periods so the third period is is um usually when they stop talk start talking pop culture or about other sports like nfl and stuff so if you tune in uh take a listen to it um cliff victoria is reminding me that science fiction is on our barroom network and indeed it is it's thursdays at 9 p.m central so if you're a marvel fan a dc fan or just science fiction films in general you should check out the show uh uh salim sudorala and carl ames uh they are aficionados of uh, especially the marvel universe and so they're always uh reviewing what's going on they'll take a they'll take a, a trailer of what's coming up next in the marvel universe and they'll dissect it they'll freeze frames and look for clues as to what might be on it it's really really interesting um that's thursday at 9 p.m uh tomorrow we're announcing officially that john buffone is back on the barroom network and uh he's gonna do his buffon 55 show and his post game show uh and uh the the show that uh he introduced last year he developed called the bear debate we're gonna make some changes to that show so we'll announce uh what that show is going to be about but it's basically a debate show with uh with people discussing various topics about that so be on the lookout for that when it starts in uh late august um, back to our schedule tomorrow, uh, or excuse me, draft on tap uh, Thursday. We've got two fantastic guests. Eric Edholm is going to, he uh, covers the uh, draft for Yahoo Sports. And uh, Mike Schofield, you probably have seen Mark Schofield. He writes for Touchdown Wire. This guy's a former lawyer who said, fuck this. I don't, I don't like this lawyering shit. And he quit his job so that he could write about pro football. And he played a college uh, uh, in college football. He, he was a quarterback. So he knows the game inside and out, has been writing now about football for, I think, over 10 years. And so it's going to be a joy to have him back here at the Barroom Network talking about the upcoming draft. Thursday night at um, uh, Wednesday night, I should say, science fiction. I think I got that wrong. And Thursday night is uh, draft on tap with the guys and, and their guests. So um, we've got that going on. Uh, Nomad says, got to get on daily, although it's worth it for you, for you. Trust me. Yeah, you know what, Nomad? I've been thinking about that. I actually uh, was talking to Retro and Retro 
had that idea of maybe doing something, uh, a daily show that's Bears focused. And it's something that I've wanted to do, frankly, for a long time. It's just very time consuming. But Retro's idea is, even if it's like a 10 or 15 minute report every day on what's going on with Bears news, and if there's nothing specific going on, there's always a topic uh, about the Bears that you can entertain. So um, I'm thinking of of doing that. So um, more on that later as uh, as that <laughs> as that uh, materializes. Stephen Me says I'm just here for Dan's sex stories. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> so am I. He's got a special friend in his life uh, right now. So I'm not sure we're going to get uh, the graphic details on some of this stuff, but we'll see. Uh, Cliff Victoria says, "Still love you, Dan, even though you're a Democrat." <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, so anyway, that's a little bit about what we're working on this upcoming bear season. Uh, I promise you, it's going to be our best here at the bar room. We are really uh, got some great ideas and some great plans. And, and a lot of you folks have are providing these ideas. So please keep them coming. I think it's called crowdsourcing when you get ideas from, from uh, uh, people outside the organization. And so you guys have been presenting a lot of great thoughts. Hit me up on, uh, on, on Twitter, DM me at my own personal account, account which is Aldo Barkeeper, or at the Barroom Network account, and uh, I will get back to you. Uh, I've been talking to people like Jordan and, and some some others. Yeah, there's Jordan right there. Always a joy, Aldo. Lots of fun and great content as always. Thank you. And so, uh, you know, we want to uh, make this as fun for you as possible. And so a lot of what we are planning to do is molded by you. Uh, so please keep the ideas coming. It would be very, very helpful. Um, Jim McMahon, thank you very much wherever you are. Uh, Dan Aguirre, I hope you get to 911 safely and you don't have to call 911. Wouldn't that be weird if, if Dan got into an accident, he's going to call 911. Hey, I worked there and I need help. Um, that would be weird and sad. I should not have brought that up. Uh, nonetheless, uh, that's our show for tonight. Uh, we will be back here live tomorrow at 2 p.m. Oh, Greg Gabriel and I, I think, are going to cover defensive tackles, that three tech. You know how important that is to this uh, defense. So he's been looking at uh, day two, but mostly day three defensive linemen uh, that could uh, come in and 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 maybe earn their way uh, a spot on the roster as a three tech. Uh, it's a very very impo important position in this Eberflus defense. So uh, look for that early next week. And um, I think that's it. Oh, wait a minute. Cliff Victoria says, seriously, although this was one of the best McMahon interviews I've ever seen. Nice job to you guys. Thank you, Cliff. Really appreciate that. Nomad says, you're you're on a blank canvas, man. Absolutely. That's a great way to look at it. We, we've got a blank canvas here. Um, but one of, the, one of the things, if I'll just stick around here and, and, and talk a little bit more as long as you guys are uh, providing me some material in the chat. One of the things that I'm most interested in is molding this stuff with you guys, um, because I think that's an important part of how you find success with something. And I'm not so interested in this podcast being a worldwide phenomenon or anything like that, but I am proud of the work that we put into it. And it's just about presenting things in a way that makes them palatable to you guys and makes it engaging for you guys. Um, 
there are tons and tons of podcasts. I'm actually working on an idea right now, and I wanted to uh, see how many podcasts out there about the Chicago Bears are there. It's like over 40 podcasts, easily. 40 podcasts about the Chicago Bears. So you guys have a lot of choices uh, from podcasts that are well-established with Olin Crudes and Adam Johns and and uh, you know, reputable reporters, Hub Arkish has been around a, a while. And so I, I don't look at it as we're competing with them. I, I, I'm looking at it as we're trying to deliver diverse programming for you so that you can say, hey, um, you know, this is this is uh, cool. I, I like this show. I don't like this one. I'm going to make sure I watch this one. Uh, this one I don't care for. And I think that's a good way for us to uh, maintain a relationship with you guys. And there's uh, one of the things I've looked at for now for a couple of years is, is an inexpensive phone system to to get you guys to call in and we can do it like a traditional radio show. Um those things are, are pretty expensive and it's very, very hard when I'm hosting a show also, also to work the controls of the mixer and our phone system and stuff. But I'm looking at other, other ways of doing that, you know, like maybe you guys can provide, send me a video with questions or uh, maybe I can just send you a street. StreamYard allows us to have eight or nine people up on the, our video screen at the same time. So they're, could be the opportunity of having you guys uh, pop in, uh, ask your questions, interact with us for a few minutes and stuff, and then on to the next so-called caller. Uh, so that's something that I would really like to entertain. I always get a little nervous with the technical stuff. You know, I'm I'm more of a producer, writer by trade uh, and, and director for decades of, of being in this business. And so when I started to this the podcast business, I've had to teach myself all this technical stuff, and it's a pain in the ass. Hey, there's Retro. We're just talking about you. It's almost uh, more about the content provider versus the actual content. Yeah, I think you're right there, Retro. There's a lot to, to say about that. You know, when I started working in broadcast TV, it was around the time that Oprah, the Oprah phenomenon happened in Chicago. She had a local TV show. And then uh, it went national and she became a, a multi-billionaire. And why was that? It was because of Oprah. You know, she was, that almost didn't matter what the topic was that she was talking about. It was her delivery and how she interacted with uh, her audience that made her um, uh, so rich and famous. So I, I, I agree with your take there. Um, Stephen Mee says, just send nudes. <laughs> yeah. Send me nudes <laughs> of your wife. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, Mo Beerman says bears talk with, with worldwide. Although <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, I know Chris Watts uh, is a big fan of that and we're going to have him on this show, uh, soon, uh, to, so that he can share his thoughts on the bears on this particular show. He's, he's also been making a lot of appearances on the Barfly tailgate show, which is a show that I'm really proud of. Uh, the guys uh, uh, continue to put the content out there, not every Sunday during the off season, but lots of it. And Aaron current has uh, taken a lead role. Now that uh, uh, Bobby bombs has been busy uh, with some stuff and Ryan Badgley has retired from the bar room. So uh, kudos to uh, Aaron and to RKB, who are holding the fort on that, along with Chris Watts being an occasional guest. So I really love that stuff. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Nomad says, Bears fans are ravenous. We never get enough, Aldo. Just know that from the gate. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking the same thing. You know, as I was thinking about, you know, what's our niche, where do we fall in and so forth. And 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 you're right. I mean, Bears fans are ravenous. It's like there is no off season. I I do believe that I can come up here and I can talk about bear stuff. And it doesn't have to be about the present bears. So if it's a slow news day for bear stuff, you know, we can we can open up a topic. Who who were your five favorite bears from the uh, uh, this decade, you know, or the last decade? Uh, we could talk about, you know, what's your uh, what particular game do you recall the most that made you fall in love with the Chicago Bears? Not what season, not what year, not what player, but a particular game that you saw that really made you fall in love. Like for me. You know, when I started following the Bears, they they fucking didn't televise the home games. But I started watching these highlights on on the 10 o'clock news of of Gale Sayers running in the mud and running for six touchdowns and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, man. Um, That's that's phenomenal. I got to I got to get into the sport. Stephen Meese says Oprah gave away a lot of free shit prizes, although he's a fan of prizes. Yeah, you know, and I, I was thinking about that, too. A lot of uh, people in the barroom say, well, why don't we give away free this and free that and free that? And I'm like, well, really, do we have to give away free stuff in order to get people to listen or watch our shows? I, I don't know. <laughs> so um, maybe uh, I'm not a big fan of giving away stuff. I. I guess maybe I should rethink that because it does seem like a lot of people are kind of uh, feel that way. Um, Cliff Victoria says, don't save F you on air to chat members like TTLO. I know those guys. (laughs) They they did that to you when we had a disagreement on Deshaun Watson. I lost respect to them. Yeah, those guys, I used to work with them, and they sometimes can get a little, um, um, what's the word? Oh, I don't know what the word is. You know, they they can come out strongly. I've had a lot of people uh, come to me and say that, but they they're great content creators. They do good work over there, but sometimes they do get a little overboard with uh, their people who disagree with them. Let's put it that way. Um, Stephen Me says, uh, <laughs> "Get out of here, Stephen." <laughs> uh, Nomad says it's easy for us just talking about the possibilities with the current current bears. I have details. Yeah. You're right. You know, um, the the idea that we can hope about a championship team is important. I'm a big fan of the movie Shawshank Redemption. And you know that whole conversation that uh, Morgan Freeman has with Tim Robbins. And uh, Morgan Freeman says, you know, hope is not a good thing. It can get you in trouble. It can really fuck with you. And Tim Robbins disagrees. He says hope is a good thing. And that's the way I prefer to think about it. Every season for me starts with an opportunity of winning 17 games. I know it's not going to happen, but why not? Why not just go out and win the first game? And then after you win the first game, win the second game. Every game is a, is a Super Bowl game. So uh, I have hope that this thing is going to get turned around and that we are going to bask in, in Super Bowl glory uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Mark Lamont says, Gail Saros was the best. I still remember the Kermit Alexander hit on him that wrecked his knee. Mark, that was a game that was not telecast in Chicago. And so when I saw the news that night and I saw the replay of it, it was film, you know, the 
Channel 2 sent out their film crew and stuff, and they had they showed that head of Kermit Alexander hitting, hitting him. I think it was, like, right below the knee. And back then, you know, even uh, young fans like me knew that if you had suffered a knee injury, uh, it was highly unlikely. It was it was highly likely that it was going to ruin your football career, uh, and it didn't ruin it completely because Gail Sayers came back and ran for over a thousand yards in one season. But it certainly did impact his style of play and shortened his career. Um, Nomad says, "Put me on audio and I'll show you." Nomad, send me some audio. Send me some audio, man. Uh, Jordan Silveria, we need our Andy Dufresne. <laughs> That's right. You got it, man. That's my boy, Andy Dufresne. What was uh, Morgan Freeman's character's name? Red, right? <laughs> Red. Uh, I read the book, too. That was part of uh, Stephen King uh, had a book called Different Seasons, Four Short Stories. I think all four short stories have been made into movies, and uh, the short story that was the basis of Shawshank Redemption was called something about Rita Hayworth, uh, about the poster. In any case, uh, uh, um, good stuff. Mo Beerman says blackout rules, although, yeah, it was back then the NFL would not telecast a home game unless the home game was, was sold out 72 hours before the game and the bears were so bad then they were having trouble selling out and in some cases i remember if they were like they needed to sell two or three hundred seats there's some car company or some dealership or something would buy the tickets so that we could see the game on tv i mean that's how screwed up back then and and by by the way this was back in the days when the nba finals wasn't even telecast in prime time they would do a tape delay magic johnson's first championship with the lakers as a rookie against the philadelphia 76ers that was on uh tape delay at 10 30 at night after the local news unbelievable how they ran stuff back then we complain about today's stuff uh but back then was even worse Stephen Mee says, uh, wasn't Red supposed to be Irish, but they cast Morgan Freeman but kept the name? You are absolutely right, Stephen. That is exactly what how it was written in the Stephen King novella. He was an Irish guy with red hair. Uh, and, uh, of course, when Morgan F- Freeman uh, uh, shows interest in being in your movie, you, you rewrite it real quick and, and fit it into him. Leo Factor says, a lot of egotistical type people like to go on camera to talk. They feel like that what they have to say is important. You know, the Factor, uh, you're absolutely right about that too. You know, um, there are so many podcasts out there and I've listened to some and it does sound to me like these people don't have really have anything interesting to say. You know, uh, there's a lot of really good podcasts. Uh, I listened to a few today for a project that I'm researching and um but yeah there's a lot of people who 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 do podcasting it just doesn't have to be with sports it could be about anything and they just go on because they want to hear themselves talk uh we're at an age now where uh we've got easy ability to broadcast our thoughts through social media through podcasting what have you and a lot of people do that but they don't really pay that much mind into what they're going to say. And that's one of the things we take a lot of pride here at the Barroom Network is, you know, everyone that does the show prepares. Like I can tell you right now, it is uh, 11 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday. Tomorrow, Bar Down Hockey, I will bet you 100 bucks 
that Vinny Parisi right now is working on what the content is for his show tomorrow. And that's one of the reasons I love that guy and I love that show because they 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 prepare. They do a really good job. Uh, Cliff Victoria says, network TV always seems to be out of touch. You're right, man. Um, you know, it's it's network television is trying to appeal to a broad branch of people. And so that's why a lot of the stuff is watered down. They have got to rethink, you know, CBS, NBC, uh, Fox, uh, uh, what, who am I missing? CBS, NBC, ABC, uh, and Fox. They have to start rethinking about how they are going to go about the business. The business now really is about streaming. It's it's about streaming. And so they, people have to start to 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 think about that and making shows palatable for on demand so that we can watch them at our convenience. You know, like I'm going to go upstairs now and wind down and I'm probably going to watch something that I've recorded over the last few weeks and stuff. That's the business. You know, the only thing that network TV has an advantage of is live sports. You know, a lot of people don't want to go back and watch a sports game that's been played, you know, earlier that day or or day ago and so forth. You want to watch it with all of America or all of the world if it's a big game. You want to watch it all. And network TV usually has the the rights to that stuff although that is changing this this season for instance amazon is going to be doing the thursday night games so i wonder how you guys feel about that you've got to have a an amazon subscription in order to watch the thursday night's game now though if the bears are on thursday night some local television station will will probably pick that up if they follow the rules that they have in the past but yeah the these the broadcasting and the media delivery landscape is changing dramatically. Um, and so we're trying to stay on top of that to make it uh, 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 easy for, for people to enjoy what we do. Uh, Cliff Victoria says, uh, info is king. Filler shows get turned off. Yeah. I, I hope I'm not doing filler right now. <laughs> no, no, Matt. Because of the way you think is why I find chemistry here. Although, oh, thanks. That's a very, very nice uh compliment I, I appreciate that you know and I, I gotta tell you you know one of the things I strive to do is not to be on too much you know because I don't want this to be the Aldo barroom network I want to have diverse voices I want to have people that are uh, you know like Mike North for instance Mike and I are almost as different as we could possibly be. Mike is a conservative. I'm, I'm learning, I lean more to the left and so forth. Uh, he has a, a, a totally different style, but I enjoy him. I, 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 one of the things about my uh, approach towards things is to try to listen to as many points of view as possible. And even the, the ones that I disagree with, I want to, have the courtesy of listening to that. And then that way, maybe I can learn something. And if I disagree with that, I can file it on. All right. I disagree with that. And so that's what I want the barroom network to, to be lots, a lot of diverse voices. And then you're not forced to watch everything that we get on, put on here, but hopefully you will watch. We will have something that will intrigue you. Um, let's see. Uh, Cliff says there seems to be aiming at a specific segment of society. Uh, Network TV, I don't know if if that's the case, Cliff. I think that they're trying to aim at everybody. 
Uh, PJ says uh, network television is too liberal. In some cases they are, in some cases they're not. I mean, you know, we would have to get uh, into specifics there, but uh, Nomad uh, adds network TV is pretty good. You got to keep something away from the kids. That's a very, very good point. You know, um, like uh, I just read the other day that Dancing with the Stars was was canceled. ABC is not picking it up, and I rarely watch that show. The only time I watched it was when the girls were watching, and I'd sit down and watch it with them, and they would say, "Oh, you got to watch this dancer." Last year, uh, it, I forgot the basketball player's name that that won, and they were telling me how awful he was at the beginning, and how week after week after week he got better, and and, and they loved that show, and they were bummed that that was being canceled. Uh, so you're right. There is a um, there is a a place for mass television for the broadcast of shows that could possibly appeal to to people from the left, the right, the top, the bottom, whatever. Um, Mark says it pisses me off that Directv has a lock on NFL games. Mark, I think that that is changing with the new TV deal that's coming out for 2023. Uh, so I don't know much about it. One of the things I want to do for this show is bring on Ken Fang, who is a writer for awful announcing. They cover uh, sports on, on, on television and streaming and so forth. He knows a lot about that. And, and Dan, it's a favorite topic of Dan. So I, I would love to have Ken Fang on maybe right after the draft and we can talk about what's on the uh, horizon f with broadcast TV and what's going on with sports television. Uh, Cliff, about the only network TV I watch is when I'm walking past the queen's chair where my wife has it. I, I hear you, man. Let me tell you something, Cliff. My wife is a huge Dateline fan. I mean, that is what she loves to see. So anytime I'm walking by, it's somebody being murdered and i make i make the joke about this if she ever wanted to knock me off she probably will know how and how to get away with it because she's watched so many of those shows uh mo beerman the amazing the amazon experiment ought to be interesting when did they when they did that saturday game a year or two ago it was choppy yeah you're right they didn't have the bandwidth uh uh, I, I don't think they anticipated the millions of people that were uh, going to watch that. So I'm, I'm sure they've got that cleaned up. But yeah, it's still, it's still iffy. I, I I'm going to hate seeing network television lose uh, uh, broadcast rights to all football games. But hey, it's a new world. I can't can't cry over that. As long as I can watch my Bears every Sunday, I'll be okay. Jordan, and that you do, although I enjoy that H show has its own vibe. Bear Their Souls is a shoot-your-shit type of show. Draft on Tap is film-centric with a good guide, me. Thank you. And Greg Grable is a treasure. How about it, man? I am so fortunate to have Greg on this network. Uh, he His insight into stuff is just fascinating. I mean, you can agree or disagree on his evaluation of players, but you can't disagree that this guy has lived it. He has been in draft rooms. He has interacted with the greatest of coaches, Bill Belichick, and the greatest of organizations, the Giants and the Bears. Uh, he's worked in the XFL. He's got all of this uh, uh, knowledge that he shares on that show. And uh, he and I have now done it for a little over a year, and we have keep growing our rapport 
I know what to do. I ask him a question and I just get out of the way, man, and let him talk. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great experience for me personally. I'm glad you enjoy it, Jordan. I know a lot of other people do. PJ, uh, you should really have a show where you have people from the chat on live, especially your regulars. I totally agree with you, PJ. I, I mentioned that a little while ago, is that StreamYard will allow about, about eight or nine uh, people. So I'm, I've been thinking about doing that. It is tricky, though, Um that you know i gotta i'll have to make sure that everybody first of all has a good connection that everyone has good audio you know uh because the worst thing that can happen is we get eight or nine people on and you know i'll go to you know i'll go to you pj hey pj what do you think about blah 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 and all of a sudden your connection is breaking and so forth or your audio is bad or whatever and then I'll say, oh, hey, PJ, we'll, we'll try to work on your connection. Let's go over to Greg Tierney. And then his connection is bad. So those are the things I kind of worry about. I want the shows to be as, as technically flawless as, as possible. So perhaps one thing to do is just do a test with everybody. All right, uh, uh, PJ, Jordan, Greg, and so forth. Uh, let's do a test 15, 20 minutes before showtime. If everything sounds and looks good then you guys are in for tonight. So maybe that's the way of going about it. I'm definitely going to work on that because I would love to interact with you guys uh, in a much more intimate way than, than reading your chats and so forth. I'd love to hear your voice. I'd love to look you in the eyes, so to speak, uh, in the video and, and, and just have some fun. Uh, Greg says, uh, network TV is terrible. You know what? The only thing I watch now on network TV other than um, – sports is law and order i'm sort of addicted to law and order because it's such an easy thing to follow you know somebody is killed at the top of the show or somebody's sexually molested at the top of the show and for the first half hour the cops try to figure it out in the last half hour is the court case and so forth it's just you know while i'm working on my graphics and stuff it's just on and 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 but outside of that, I can't think of, you know, I, I've been watching a new uh, David Kaplan show uh, on uh, NBC Sports Chicago and a couple of other things like that. But yeah, for the most part, uh, I'm not going to give uh, network TV high marks. Uh, let's say Mo Beerman says you and Mike uh, North are funny together. Thank you, uh, Mo. You know, uh, Mike has uh, decided to scale down the amount of shows he's going to do this year. He's going to be on after big news. Like for instance, when Mitchell Trubisky was signed by the Steelers, he called me right up and says, Hey, can we do a show tomorrow? So, uh, and whenever he calls me, I'm going to accommodate him because he's, he's uh, one of the greats and he's done so much to help this network grow uh, just with uh, what he does on social media for the barroom network. And I know he's, 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 the, he, Mike is the kind of guy that um, there's a lot of people who, uh, dislike him. Uh, and, uh, uh, but you know, again, if you're tolerant of other people's points of view and stuff, uh, you know, Mike, Mike is, is more than palatable. Mike is a, a tremendous, tremendous entertainer. And with his experience in covering Chicago sports and his life story is just so fascinating. I hope, uh, that, uh, people who haven't given Mike a chance, uh, will the next time he's on, um, let's see. Tell me two network shows that are conservative. Well, I don't know. Well, I would say um, I, I can't speak for any shows that are conservative now in terms of entertainment uh, because I haven't been watching that much TV. But I remember the show 24, which I loved a lot with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. 
that was to me a conservative show. I mean, when you are basically uh, interrogating a witness or or, or or a suspect, or and, and you shoot the person in the leg, uh, that's not something that liberals do. That's something that uh, hardcore conservatives do. I mean, that's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, we all know that Hollywood leans left, uh, in some cases very left. So perhaps you're right. Um, uh, so, PJ, let me ask you, it, it sounds to me like you prefer more conservative type entertainment. Where do you go for that? Is there a place for you to go to that? Uh, Jordan says uh, that DirecTV has one more year. Um, yeah, that is that that is the case. The current TV contract is up after 2022. Um Let's see, Mo Beerman. Come on, Aldo. You were afraid of drooling over one of the female dancers and <laughs> dancing with the stars. <laughs> Trust me, man. I, uh, uh, my wife. I'm, I'm used to my wife uh, scolding me for for doing that stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. I think we've probably killed enough time. Although, PJ, do you have an answer for me on that conservative stuff? I would love to know. You know, I know conservatives complain a lot about um, television nowadays. Is there a place where you go for some of your uh, programming? Uh, PJ says YouTube. I watch YouTube eight hours a day on a variety of topics, however. Uh, so PJ, do you see, I got to get you on, I got to get you on. We'll, we'll have this conversation better, uh, face to face. And so right after the draft, I'll work on the plan to have you guys on the show. Uh, and we'll make that happen. It'll be a fun time for us. I don't want to turn it into a, um, a party line kind of thing. You know, I want, um, there to be a semblance of professionalism to it. And so, uh, but we'll work work it out. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys face to face, so to speak. See, Stephen Me says the A team was very conservative. They, they shot automatic machine guns and never hit anyone. Stephen, you're funny. All right, everybody, it is time at 11:15 here in Chicago. Just about, almost 11:15. I am uh, going to go unwind to watch a little uh, liberal television <laughs> and uh, and prepare for tomorrow's uh, uh, programming. 2 p.m. It is uh, Bar Down Hockey Talk, and then at night it's a science fiction. So hopefully you'll join us for our broadcast day here at the Barroom Network. And don't forget, uh, we've got uh, baseball talk at 2 p.m. on Thursday and draft on tap with Eric Edholm and Mark Schofield uh, to be Danny and Neil's guests. Talk to you all soon. Uh, really appreciate you hanging out with me. Bye-bye.